0: mm <music>
1: hey good morning good morning how you doing
2: one minute one minute till till
1: i was enjoying the pans the steel pans
3: yeah (laughs) ah we can bring it back we can bring it back (laughs) yeah
1: That was lovely. That was very lovely. Thank you for that. All right. Stand by. We're going to go live on Kiss FM, everybody. All right.
4: Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's
2: Blake and Aaron's spilling the tea with Sandy.
4: K-Man's top
1: news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. How are you?
3: Hey, good morning, Blake and Aaron. Good morning, good morning.
1: What do you got for us this morning?
3: So the agric- the Ministry of Agriculture has started to roll out a national livestock identification and tracking system. Say that really fast. Okay. Right. Um, There's right. got
1: to be an acronym in there somewhere. What's it called?
3: They yeah. haven't put one in yet.
1: <laughs> Wait, so what? what give, me the, give me what it's called again.
3: It's the National Livestock Identification and Tracking System. There's nothing there.
1: <laughs> I NILATS.
3: NILATS? NILATS. <laughs> I have to make something up, I think. But there yeah. you go. <laughs> so this is. I love
1: that new li- NILATS program.
3: Yeah, is this like for the cow that's over across the street kind of thing? Yeah, so <laughs> modernize the agricultural sector. <laughs> okay. um, aimed at supposedly enhancing animal identification and disease surveillance, and assist with the procurement and supply of feed and other resources based on livestock population data.
1: Hey, aren't you supposed to uh, micro? are supposed to microchip your pets anyway, aren't you?
3: Not um. Not your cows. I don't. Not your horse you for the Rubus. Okay. And, I, and I also don't think that it's like a requirement, although it's a great idea. I think it should be a requirement, but um, yeah. So <clears throat> they're looking at that you're going to get a chip in your steak,
0: and then it'll be inside of, you.
3: Yeah, they're looking at being able to monitor genetic and breed variation within the Cayman Islands, which is important actually, mm-hmm. and uh, essentially you know track imported livestock including information such as their identity, ownership, and geographic location. So it's all supposed to be stored electronically under the control of the Department of Agriculture's Veterinary Division. So we'll see. I'm I'm all for it, you know. Uh, Benjamin Freeman has been appointed the CEO of Fidelity Bank, so congratulations to Mr. Freeman. Uh, Effective June the 1st, it was announced. um, He apparently has a record of um you know banking and financial services experience that dates back quite a long time uh, 13 years also in telecom before banking at cable and wireless believe it or not where he led the bahamas communication company's consumer division 20 years in banking um lots and lots of experience so congratulations to benjamin freeman
0: hmm. okay.
3: um <laughs> yes and um Other news, um, I think we sort of covered this yesterday, but we did a full uh, report on it, about the Five Star Hotel, AKA the Mandarin, um, actually having a community meeting uh, where they were attempting to address the concerns of people in the community. So lots of concerns were raised, um, including traffic impact, potential noise pollution, and the residents wanted to know what was in it for them. Okay. Uh,
1: Resident (laughs) rate.
3: Right. Um, A young lady in Trinidad is now in police custody after she stabbed her schoolmate. So there's been a really interesting week of violent incidents in the region, uh, both in Jamaica and Trinidad. Uh, We've reported several cases of girls in particular um, getting into altercations with each other. And in this case, this is a 15-year-old schoolgirl who is now in police custody after repeatedly stabbing a schoolmate during a fight on Monday afternoon. So the Trinidad and Tobago daily news said that the girl was uh, being kept at the princess town police station. Um, and she's faces charges of malicious wounding and wounded with intent to kill. Uh, mm-hmm. Once the file is compiled by their DPP's office. So it seems like very, very serious charges. Um, and the saddest part about it is the injured girl's family found out about the stabbing from a video posted on social media. Wow. we
1: have seen that go, go down before.
3: Yeah. It's crazy. It's a
1: Caribbean crazy. thing.
3: Yeah. So i um, quite unfortunate, but those are some of your news headlines this beautiful Thursday morning.
1: All righty then. Uh, you can catch Sandy's show coming up on Bobo 89.1 FM in two minutes. And we'll catch you tomorrow for the Friday show.
3: I know. It came so quickly. Awesome.
1: It did. Uh, We'll Mm -hmm. see you tomorrow.
3: Okay. Have a good one. Thanks, Andy. All right. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good morning to Ms. Virtuous. Um, Let's play a little bit more music while we wait until 7.30 to launch on Bobo 89.1 FM.
4: ginger, fever grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays caribbean connections and much more don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community just keep sipping your tea
3: what a mess
4: here's your host live and direct from the cayman islands sandy hill
3: Good morning, K-Man. What a beautiful Thursday morning. A little bit of an overcast, but the sun is still shining through beautifully. Thank you so much. Um, Someone won a gift certificate the other day. I'm trying to remember who that was. Please remember to actually message me um, just to confirm that we can get your gift certificate to you. So don't forget, I need you. We have some wonderful corporate sponsors who supply us with uh, gift certificates on a regular basis, including Waffle Monkey. Great place for you to go in uh, for lunch or breakfast. I think they need to start opening for dinner because who doesn't like waffles 24-7? Um, but they have a wonderful combination, folks, of things on their menu. You would be surprised what you can do with <clears throat> a waffle. Trust me it's not just a breakfast item. You can get so incredibly creative. And that's exactly uh, what Waffle Monkey does. Uh, So check them out. They're right on the waterfront across from, I don't know what the name of that building actually is, to be honest, but it's right next to Digicel and across from Casanova. So conveniently located, they've got tons of parking in the back. And, um, you know, the weekends are open as well. So you can take the family for a treat and they make some absolutely wonderful sausage uh, rolls, which I must tell you, make a fabulous, absolutely fabulous, um, just snack hors d'oeuvres for your functions, your parties, your game nights. Uh, I had them for Christmas as part of the Christmas hors d'oeuvre section and people absolutely love them. They are so delicious and they're pretty big. So I cut them in half. Yeah, save some money while you're at it. So big shout out to Waffle Monkey. Um, And they've got coffee, drinks, and all sorts of other stuff as well. And can I tell you, they make donuts. They make homemade donuts along with the sausage rolls, like every single day, I think now, uh, because there was such a demand for them. So go in and say, I would like a homemade donut and see what flavors they've got uh, for you today. So mm, 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 mm. delicious. All right, folks. Good morning to Miss Vernita. She's here, got it locked. We have uh, Nicola, who is also here. Good morning, Nicola. We have who else? Omiria says, Pleasant. Good morning, Sandy, in the Cayman Islands. Olivia's here. Marshall joining us from North Carolina. Diamond Princess has it locked. Louis. Hello, Louis. Louis says, Good Thursday morning, Sandra, and the CMR Nation. Good morning to the beautiful Scott. He says, good morning to everyone. Charlotte joining us from Scotland. He manions to tell you all over the world. Ms. Joy from Texas. Uh, Richard says, uh, good morning from Celine and I. And Irvelin, right here from the Savannah area is also joining us as well. So I got my ice pack this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever listened to the program, you probably heard me talk about my little foot issue and shell. Some days I can kind of feel it. Let me just adjust the camera just a tad. Uh, There we go. Yes. So um, there are some days that I can actually feel it coming. And this is one of those days that I kind of feel it coming. Uh, Sometimes it's dependent on the shoes that I wear. If I haven't worn a particular shoe in a while, I notice it, but it looks like I have, um, oh God, what do they call it? But anyway, uh, basically it's it's like pain in the ball of the foot and it's all mechanics. Like A little bit of the way I walk and the shoes might um, exasperate the situation a little bit more. But yeah, I don't really wear high heels anymore. I tend to wear my Grammy shoes, um, flats, nothing more than an inch because I can really feel the pressure on the ball of the foot and the pinching. And then what ends up happening is it causes this, oh my God, it's a horrible pain. I sympathize with people who have like uh, neuropathy, neuralgia, like the, the tingling, the needling, the pain, because it kind of comes in all of those forms. So uh, when I feel it coming, and there are times I can definitely feel it coming on, uh, I'll ice it, I heat it, <laughs> I put, um, you know, all sorts of foot cream on it. Uh, recently, I had a consultation in Miami to kind of get a second opinion because Dr. Anthony, you know, he put me in his little foot machine, and he could see the amount of pressure that's actually being put on the ball of my foot when I walk. And he said, yeah, it's a substantial amount of pressure. Hello, those extra 50 pounds that I keep talking about Mm -hmm. would help if I lost those as well. I'm so sure. But it's actually something that I remember having my entire life. I feel even as a kid, um, I had this flare up occasionally. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things, right? So I have what, I don't know if you guys know about pronation, like it's, you know, pronated feet or whatever, but I have a under pronation. So like they go the opposite way. Um, so yeah, all of these are little contributing factors. So some shoes do help. Uh, you know, I, I wear shoes with as much cushioning as I possibly can. And, you know, it's just one of those things I, I reckon I'm going to have to live with and it is what it is. I just try to manage it. But anyone out there who's suffering from with chronic pain... You know, I feel you, um, because this is certainly not as worse as I'm sure it could be, and still it it's disruptive. You know, the times when I'm I'm at a location and I have an episode that comes on with my feet, and I'm having to try to like I now walk with uh, Voltaren in my bag to literally just rub it on my feet. Um, if I have an episode come on, and it's just not a very comfortable situation at all. So, anybody living with chronic pain this morning, my heart goes out to you. I can kind of sympathize um, I, up to a certain extent, I think, with what you could potentially be dealing with. And, you know, sometimes you look at people and you honestly don't know what it is that they're dealing with if they have um, sort of these silent health issues. So, good morning to Juliet. So good to see you. And at the end of the day, we still have so much to be thankful for. Believe me when I tell you that. Uh, Good morning to Miss Beulah Marshall. He is in Georgia this morning, still on vacation. Has that been a week now? You're taking a week-long vacation? Good for you. Gosh, when you can do it, I say do it. In Gwinnett County, Georgia. Kizwiz. good morning to you. How are you? So good to see you. Love the beautiful CMR uh, crew that is here every single morning. I got to tell you that there's so many people who... um, (laughs) <laughs> who listens silently to the program. And um, one of them, an elderly Caymanian lady, she's a retired civil servant, was telling me a couple of days ago that she was enjoying the interview that I did with the um, Bahanihan Filipino Community Group. And I must say that, honestly, I've received so much amazing feedback on that interview and people keep telling me, you've got to go back, you've got to go back. Um, and even yesterday I went to CNB and, uh, the security guard there said, Oh, Miss Sandy, I saw you. And he's a Filipino guy. He said, I saw you in the interview with those two lovely ladies. And I was like, Oh, um, so support them. If you're interested in other content, there is other content folks that is available. Um, that's super interesting. That's out there. They do their show every Wednesday. So they had a show last night and that we'll stick in on our, um, on our CMR page, because I'm all about trying to, you know, promote other people and promote other perspectives and what people in the community are doing. So let's go ahead and uh, hear what Misha has for us in the way of news this morning. Happy Thursday. <laughs>
5: Hello and welcome to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Allinger and thank you for joining us. Officers responded to a report of stabbing in the vicinity of Albert Panton Street in Georgetown. Reports are two women and a man, all known to each other, were involved in an altercation. One of the women, aged 19 years of Georgetown, stabbed the man shortly after 6 p.m. on 7 June and left the location. Emergency services attended to the injured man and transported him to the Cayman Islands Hospital. Later that day, the woman turned herself in to the police station and was arrested on suspicion of wounding in relation to the incident. She remains in custody as investigations continue. Public Health reported 159 positive cases of COVID-19 as of 8 June 2022. There are 1,223 estimated active cases of COVID-19 in the Cayman Islands. Four persons are currently hospitalized for COVID-related causes. Of these, two are unvaccinated. The seven-day rolling average for 8th June is 57. The Sister Islands reported two new cases, and the active cases of COVID-19 in the Sister Islands are currently at 23. Following Fidelity Bank's acquisition by Proven this year, the Bank's Board of Directors announced the appointment of Benjamin Freeman as President and CEO. Freeman currently lives in the Cayman Islands and has lived and worked in the Caribbean, including Barbados and the Bahamas for 15 years. Cayman Art Week is back from the 22nd to the 26th of June with another packed program of exhibitions, panels and parties taking place at 34 venues across the Cayman Islands all free and open to the public. For more information about Cayman Art Week, to register an event or to sign up for the schedule, please email info at caymanartweek.com or visit their website caymanartweek.com. Let's hear from Kevin Wattler for updates on Cayman's weather.
6: Hello Cayman, I'm Kevin Wattler and this is your CMR Weather Update is brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 546 in the morning, sunshine along with some cloudy intervals today It heats up to the mid 80s with the winds east southeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour, and the sun sets at 7:02. At nighttime, mostly clear skies, winds east northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour, and the temperatures fall to the upper 70s. Today's high tides at 5:10 a.m. and 6:43 p.m., and a low tide at 11:53 a.m. Looking forward, similar weather conditions are expected. Be sure to stay hydrated, especially if you spend a lot of time outdoors during the day. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price and we encourage you to support them. Have a wonderful day.
5: Thank you Kevin for those updates. In regional news, a 15-year-old girl repeatedly stabbed a schoolmate during a fight on 6 June in Trinidad. According to local sources, the teenager was taken into police custody and may face charges of malicious wounding and wounding with intent to kill. The injured girl's family found out about the stabbing from a video posted on social media. The Ministry of Education in Trinidad has indicated that the student could be expelled from school based on policies regarding students who engage in violent behavior. Making international news, courthouse in upstate New York had to be closed for fumigation after hundreds of cockroaches brought in plastic containers were released during an arraignment on 7th June. Reports are that a clash broke out during proceedings for four people for an arrest at the state capitol. A 34-year-old was arrested in relation to the incident. CMR is inviting businesses to sponsor our Hurricane Special Edition with host Kevin Wattler. Reach out to CMR's sales team today to find out more and secure your spot to promote your business on CMR platforms. For more in-depth news and headlines, please visit our website caymanmallroad.com. Tune in to The Cold Hard Truth with Sandy Hill Monday to Friday at 7.30am on Facebook YouTube and Radio Bobo 89.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Allinger. Please do not drink and drive and stay safe.
0: All right,
3: folks uh thank you so much for that message um the news and weather from misha and kevin doing a fantabulous job all right so good morning miss bonnie joining us from the beautiful district of east end uh we so good to see you here as well hero blair has got it locked mr hero where are you today uh Rael, rawil altamisa joining us from the Philippines. Beautiful. How are you? How is it in the Philippines? And Lily Boo is also joining us here. Melita, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Folks, uh, we do have the Cayman Islands Food Bank who's going to be joining us around the eight o'clock hour. And in the meantime, let's uh, talk about and digest a couple of things that are making news headlines this morning. So some very, very interesting news in the world of health that i have been reading and i've been following and i think i mentioned this one to you guys the other day but this is super amazing where an experimental drug was used in a very small study and the results have everyone um completely shocked and this is making the medical rounds and the news circuits all over the world so have a listen to this amazing news
7: tiny group of people with rectal cancer just experienced something of a miracle. Their cancer simply vanished after an experimental treatment. In a very small trial, these patients took a drug called dostarlamab for six months. And in the end, every one of them saw their tumors disappear. Now, this trial was small, just 18 people, and there's still more to be learned about how the treatment worked. But some scientists say these kinds of results have never been seen in the history of cancer research. So to talk more about this is Dr. Hannah Sanoff of the University of North Carolina's Lineberger Comprehensive Cancer Center. She's not involved with the study. That was done by doctors with New York's Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, but Dr. Sanoff has written about the results. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Now, we are typically very cautious about focusing on studies that are so tiny, but there has been so much cautious enthusiasm about this that we wanted to talk
8: about it. Could you tell us your reaction when you heard about the results? Absolutely. I mean, I am incredibly optimistic. Like you said in the introduction, we have never seen anything work in 100% of people in cancer medicine. We should note, I believe
7: that with rectal cancer, some cases can involve chemo, radiation, surgery, maybe a
8: combination of all of those. How does this drug work, This drug is one of a class of drugs called immune checkpoint inhibitors. And these are immunotherapy medicines that work not by directly attacking the cancer itself, but actually getting a person's immune system to essentially do the work. And these are drugs that have been around in melanoma and other cancers for quite a while, but really have not been part of the routine care of colorectal cancers until fairly recently. And typically drugs have
7: side effects. What kinds of side effects were there with this one?
8: Very, very few in this study. In fact, surprisingly few. Most people had um, no severe uh, adverse effects at all.
7: You've said before that this clinical trial is practice-changing for the field. In what way do you view it as practice-changing?
8: Well, our hope would be that for this subgroup of people, which is, I think we should point out, only about 5 to 10% of people who have rectal cancer if they can go on and just get six months of immunotherapy and not have any of the rest of this, I I don't even know the word to use. Paradigm shift is um, often used, but this really absolutely is paradigm shifting.
7: I do want to emphasize that we often cheer for people when we hear that they've kicked cancer, but the aftermath of what they can deal with physically and and side effects can still be life-changing, which is why the idea of being able to skip surgery is so revolutionary.
8: Yes. In rectal cancer, this is part of the conversation we have with someone when they're diagnosed is, Mm -hmm. you know, we are very hopeful for being able to cure you, but unfortunately we know our treatments are going to leave you with consequences that may in fact be life-changing. I mean, I have had patients who after their rectal cancer have barely left the house for years and in A couple cases, even decades, because of the consequences of incontinence and and the shame that's associated with this.
7: Have you ever had patients that said they've regretted getting the treatment?
8: You bet. Really? Yeah.
7: So if this drug ends up being as
8: good as it preliminarily seems to be, what's the next step What I'd really like us to do is get a bigger trial where this drug is used in a much more diverse setting to understand what the real true response rate is going to be. It's not going to end up being 100%. Um, I hope I bite my tongue on that in the future, but I can't imagine it will be 100%. And so when we see what the true response rate is, that's when I think we can really do this all the time.
7: That's Dr. Hannah Sanoff of the University of North Carolina's Lineberger Comprehensive Cancer Center. Thank you very much. Thank you.
3: And now. So, folks, um, some amazing news there. And I think anyone who uh, watches anything that happens in the world of medicine is indeed um, really, really excited about what this could potentially mean. I mean, it sounds like it's uh, revolutionary, really. So, good morning to Beverly. So good to see you guys as we wait for a guest to come into the studio. I do see Miss Marie uh, is ready. We're just waiting on Mr. Uh, Woody Foster, who will also be joining us. You know, there's so much exciting news happening around the world. So, just a little bit of an announcement. I might have a tech moment today. You know, we used to do tech Thursdays uh, almost every Thursday, but I might have a little bit of a, um, a tech moment this morning because the world of Facebook and Instagram is changing so fast and so quickly. Um, if you are on those platforms, you might notice, especially if you are an administrator on pages, you might notice that uh, their new pages have rolled out and there's lots and lots of changes. That are now um coming about. And I'm looking at it, trying to learn it as as I go along because it's like um, you know, things popping up. Oh, there are new changes today. And you're like, okay. Um, so super, super interesting there in the UK. Uh, there's a bit of breaking news this morning as well. They're changing the legal age of someone can buy cigarettes uh to rise by one year every year. Okay. Um, so this is interesting, trying to really understand what on earth (laughs) this actually means. So it's a delayed review by the former chief executive of, um, Bernardo's, which creates a smoke who's uh, aiming to create a smoke-free generation where people under a certain age are, are unable to buy cigarettes and other tobacco products in their lifetime. And so they plan uh, to create a smoke-free generation. And they're saying that um, apparently this is something that, you know, is similar to what they've done in New Zealand, where they've banned the sale of cigarettes for anyone born after 2008. So I've actually never heard of this before. This is a bit of something that uh, is new to me. Thank you, Denny. Denny says it means that it's an incremental ban. So interesting. Interesting. So what they do is they raise the age at which someone can buy tobacco products currently at 18. um, And then they just keep, they keep raising it. Hmm. So the government has a smoke-free 2030 ambition defined as having less than 5% of this population smoking. And this is one way I suppose in which they can do it. So health secretary Javid uh, said that the government will carefully consider the recommendations set out in the delayed landmark review, um, which was done by Dr. Javid Khan, who's the former chief executive of Bernardo's, and it was released this morning. The report found England is currently on track to miss its smoke-free 2030 target by at least seven years. So they're not doing particularly good with the poorest areas in society not meeting it until 2044. So they say that in order to have any chance of reaching the smoke-free 2030 target, they need to accelerate the rate of decline of people who smoke by 40%. Wow. And the government has been urged to ban all online sales of tobacco products and stop supermarkets from selling them in order to limit the availability of tobacco products across the country. Hmm. Very, very interesting indeed. So as you guys know, um, there has been, you know, for quite some time, a move to um, help people kick the nasty habit of smoking. And smoking is one of those things that causes a lot of um, health-related issues um, that are, quite frankly, preventable, and, and including tons of cancers. So um, the tobacco industry, of course, isn't particularly happy about this. They've spoken out against the potential life ban, according to the Tobacco Manufacturers Association, saying that it takes away the rights of adult consumers and could lead uh, people to, illegally and, uh, to illegal and unregulated products. Um, so interesting there. Um, let's see. So a spokesperson for the TMA told, um, Sky News that at the age of 18, adults are well aware of the risk associated with smoking and should be free to, um, access a legal product. Hmm. Most 18 year olds don't really have a clue. I must tell you. And in fact, as we know, um, the interesting thing about, uh, the so-called adult brain is by 18, you're not making mature decisions at all. And it takes the the average, especially the male brain, which does develop a little bit differently, um, till they're about in their mid-20s to be considered capable of making AKA adult decisions. They tend to be very impulsive still until about their mid-20s. Uh, That's why you don't get married in your 20s, folks. <laughs> so prohibition, um, they say, always has serious unintended consequences. And this is very, very interesting. I don't know how many people smoke anymore. I feel like it, it is a little bit of a shameful thing to do, uh, is to smoke. And most people um, that I know, you know, are kind of closet smokers now, or they use the vapes, which I don't know how, uh, how safe vaping products are. I don't feel like anything that you inhale like that can be safe. Um, so they're also looking at the promotion of vaping products, uh, saying that... Um, you know, that is not risk free, but the alternative, which is smoking tobacco products, appears to be far worse. Mm, incredibly interesting. So we'll keep an eye on this. Um, smoke free UK's smoke free 2030 target. Uh, again, looking at a holistic approach to reducing um, the use of tobacco and nicotine products in the UK population. I wonder if K could do such an initiative. What do you guys think? Making smoking obsolete is the objective and the goal. They've come a long way, baby. Remember, I think that used to be in a commercial for smoking. Um, So that's that's good. All right, folks, we do have our guests ready. We're going to pull them into the studio here. Miss Marie, I noticed that somebody keeps logging in with your name. You've got a second login that keeps coming in. I'm not really sure if that's you or if that's somebody else. But one camera seems to be working. Um, so good morning to Shani. Good morning to Denny. Nathina is joining us as well. Lizette says, uh, blessed. Good morning, everyone having a beautiful day. And she's giving thanks. Um, we have Jonathan says that's exactly what will happen. Uh, well, I think they're finding alternative products like vaping products and stuff, but Uh, Charlotte, good morning to you. Um, Charlotte says not in Scotland, even the school kids do it and they don't hide it. So school kids are smoking. Good morning, Jonathan. Eighteen-year-old uh, persons uh, is not an adult to make adult decisions. No, they're not, according to scientific research. Uh, yeah, but they still are, are signing contracts and going to war and doing other stuff. Absolutely, uh, Mr. Woody, pull down that camera just a little bit for me so we can see your handsome face. There we go. Good morning to Woody Foster. How are you?
9: Fantastic. Morning, Sandy.
3: Okay, looks like you got yourself a fresh haircut. Or is that my imagination?
9: <laughs> it's your imagination. It's actually long now. I gotta cut it soon.
3: <laughs> oh my goodness! So um, everyone, I think in the Cayman Islands will know Mr. Woody Foster. He wears many, many hats, and of course, one of those is the uh, is it managing director, or CEO of Foster's.
9: Which managing is- director.
3: Managing Director at Foster's, Um, and he keeps everything uh, you know right and tight over there, running a a very big ship. Lots of things going on, and Mr. Woody is also involved in other aspects of the community. And the reason why we have him on today is the one hat that he wears is his involvement in the Cayman Islands Food Bank. Now, uh, Woody, I remember uh, very, very distinctly the day that you guys had your um, sort of official announcement. You know your your press announcement about the food bank. I was there, and it must have been twenty seventeen. Seventeen. It was when we launched, like like not long after CMR launched, mm-hmm. and we were there. And, and the venue, um, I can't remember the name of the hotel now. All the way down West Bay Road.
9: Holiday The Holiday Inn. In.
3: It was a Holiday Inn. Okay. So we were there for it. And, um, I thought, you know, this was wonderful because it had been something that people had been asking for a really, really long time. So give us a little bit of the, cause you were there, you know, as part of that, uh, forming committee, give us a little bit about the, um, a little bit of information about how the food bank got started and what was the thinking behind why it was even necessary.
9: Um, well, our particular food bank got started, um, I guess as as most things do, just out of a conversation, um, as as I'm sure you well know, and most of your listeners will know, pretty much all of the churches have some form of a food pantry um, where they are helping their um, uh, you know their own constituents and and people within within their their neighborhoods. Um, and First Assembly of God was no different. Um, they had a pastor there that, uh, Pastor Boucher, um, who is from Quebec. Um, and he had experiences, he had experience with food banks back, you know, from when he was in 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 Montreal. And First Assembly has, has had a food pantry for many, many years. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
9: And he had come to us and said, hey, you know, can we get, um, uh, you know, products from you? And I said, well, we're already giving to... lot of churches but yeah i'm I'm sure we could do something with you but what i think it would be good because most people just deal with dry groceries because it's easier no refrigeration necessary if you know it's 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 easy or easier i should say um and i said it would really be good if if we could find a way to utilize refrigerated products Mm -hmm. um because i mean we, we have things that, that that we could donate like that um and so that started a conversation with with pastor boucher um and from that conversation just one thing lead led to another and if for any of you who know pastor boucher is a man of action um and before he left the store it seems like he had a business plan emailed to me like immediately mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that's how the conversation really really got started and then it it, it grew and um you know, Miss Marie got involved, who I, I think should be coming on the this, this show this, this morning. Um, Choppy Della Pena. Um, those were sort of the uh, in, initial founding members of, of the food bank. Um, we opened our doors in December of 2017. The ribbon was cut by um, then Emily Dwayne Seymour. Um, and we've been going strong ever since however that's not quite accurate um, in the beginning in the first two to three years it was very difficult for us to get off the ground um, mm-hmm. in in terms of because it's, it's easy to give giving is is never that hard the hard part was was getting funding um, it was it was really a struggle to, to get funding because we were I wouldn't say going up against because that's not quite the right word, but um, you had Meals on Wheels. You had Feed Our Future. Um, yeah. You know, you, you have different things that are are known entities and nobody really understood food bank and, and the need for a food bank. Because as strange as it may sound, a lot of people think that well, there's no real poverty in Cayman and, and where there is poverty, it's being handled by the churches and by government. So, I mean, why do we even need a food bank? Mm. So we really struggled to get donations. Uh, we, we got some here and here and there. Um, so a, a few initial people, you know, kind of, kind of got us off the ground, but then it was hard to sustain. Uh, we were finding that as founding members, we were having to put our, our hand in our pockets to keep, to keep it going. Um, which after a while started to get quite expensive, and and honestly, we were about to close our doors in in February. Um, we were saying, "Listen, we just we just can't sustain this. So I think we're just going to have to give up the ghost." Mm. Um, and then, of course, as as you know, in this was in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we all know what happened in March of twenty twenty. Well, mm-hmm. COVID took hold, um, and due to COVID, the food bank sword because all of a sudden everybody saw the necessity of mm-hmm. of a food bank and we were a well are not were we we are a legitimate um conduit of for those who want to give back to the community um but just don't know how to um to do that and so the donations came in um the food donations cash donations and, and so that that really allowed us to to take hold, and, and and I think we played a pretty large part in you know feeding people during the during the pandemic. And so that's the brief history of of how we got started and where we are today.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow, so interesting! Um, I had no idea that uh, you guys were on the brink of of not having a food bank. I think that that's. Uh... A little bit shocking for me and probably most of our listeners as well so thank you for sharing the reality of what you guys um have been dealing with you know obviously
9: can i can i say that you know i i think that not i think i know because i'm involved in other npos as well Mm -hmm. that it's really hard for this there's this misconception that npos charities whatever shouldn't spend money on operations and administration it all needs to go to the recipient Mm -hmm. it's just impossible you can't run anything whether it's a charity a church it doesn't matter what it is you need money you have salaries to pay there's rent to pay there's electricity to pay and we have a larger electricity bill than most because we're dealing with refrigeration we have a 10 by 10 frozen box which needs refrigeration mm-hmm. right so it's 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 really hard for um npos to exist if mm-hmm. people aren't willing to allow their money to go to administration but uh, mo- i will say most people believe that if if like 90 percent of what they give isn't going to the recipient then the npo is doing something on toward
0: mm-hmm. and it,
9: it's I- i'm hoping that um you know, through this platform and and other platforms, that the NPOs can speak about that more to allow people to open their minds. That if we don't have money to run the entity, we can't function. It's just mm-hmm. as simple as that. We use we use somewhere between a hundred and I think last last year we spent one hundred and thirty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars cash that we had to pay salaries, electricity. Uh, we have to we have to purchase food because only some of it is donated um because um, things that aren't donated we have we have to then pay for
0: mm.
9: so it's it's just it's expensive and we can't run it on just charity and volunteers That's not how it works
3: mm-hmm. Sorry.
0: um Maybe.
3: and yeah I mean thanks thanks for that that's that's the cool hard truth <laughs> you know it it is and uh it is what it is and um I'm glad that you've mentioned it because even. Myself, you know, I have not um, really given much thought to the administrative side of things. I'm glad that you um, have said that. And of course, most NPOs will have a board and you know they're making decisions. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, I've sp- spoken to the Breast Cancer Foundation and other NPOs and they rent in out isn't cheap for anybody. Even if you are an NPO, it's not like you're going to get a break necessarily. We just got an
9: increase in our warehouse space. We've just gone up again. We've gone from, I think, $1,300. We're now at $2,300 a month. Wow. So that's twelve thousand dollars increase in the last two years that mm-hmm. we paid or we have to move out.
3: Right. Right. Wow. All right. So tell us a little bit about the organization of the um, Cayman Islands Food Bank. So who who else is on your board?
9: Um, Choppy Della Penna, um, Marie Eden, uh, myself and Naomi, um, Naomi Locke.
3: Okay. And the office or your kind of main operating headquarters is located where you just mentioned a warehouse. Is that in Georgetown?
9: Yep. It's down. Um, uh, if you go down Sparky drive, like past CUC and go down mm-hmm. by progressive distributors, um, it's on Rosedale, it's a small little, small little warehouse, um,
0: mm-hmm.
9: down there, but we, um, that's where we, that's where our, our frozen food storage is. And that's where a lot of the, the, the packaging goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the distribution, in terms of of where we deal with um, our clients, so to speak, is at the First Assembly of God, uh, which is over by the Lion Center.
3: Okay, and we're going to talk about uh, how the food is distributed. I do see a comment that has come in from Lisette um, about distribution, and she's saying, you know, that she had some issues getting assistance. So let's go ahead and bring Miss Marie into the conversation. So good morning, good morning. to uh, Miss Marie Eden. Good morning. So I'm getting a little bit of feedback from really you, Ms. Marie. So if well, you I'm have, using my
10: yeah, iPad, so it might not be too great.
3: Yeah. If you have a headset that you can I plug don't. in, you don't. Um, okay.
10: The thing is, I was trying to do the computer. That's where you saw me logging in. Yes. It didn't work out too well.
3: Okay.
10: So this is what I have.
3: All right. Um, we'll, we'll see how we can we can deal with it. Um, so, Ms. Marie, good morning to you. Good and- morning welcome to the program. Thank you. So you are actually located um, at the church, Mm -hmm. First Assembly Church of God. um, Right. And you have been a staple there for many, many years and involved in the food bank. So tell us a little bit about your food bank involvement. Oh,
10: well, yeah, well, um, the food bank involvement, I, wear several hats, Matt. Um, we get the food ready for distribution. Um, I order the uh, food. We order quite a bit of food every week uh, because we're um, serving over 400 families right now per week. So we're just not getting enough in donations to cover that. So we have to buy a large amount of food every week to make up the difference. And um, I do a lot of the administrative work regarding in regards to the food bank and I want to thank you too because in the middle of the pandemic um we were getting very low on supplies and stuff and you came and did an interview with us I don't know if you remember that and um it helped a lot with people becoming more aware of what the food bank does and that we were actually out there yeah helping
3: yes well um uh, Kizwa says I'm echoing. Yes, I'm aware. aware. (laughs) Sorry, That's okay. We'll we'll work with it. Um, Yeah, Miss Marie, we actually made several um, pleas during the pandemic uh, because, you know, the need, I think, was greater then. But as Woody just pointed out, the need probably isn't necessarily any less greater now. Um, So we have to keep this issue at the forefront. I'm just going to try meeting you and see if that helps. Um, So... I'll mute you off and on, Miss Marie, so just just stick with me. So, um, yes, folks, you know, the, the need is is definitely there. We're hearing how, you know, they're having to, they're running out of donations. We're going to talk about in a second here exactly what you can do to uh, help the food bank. Of course, they need food, and they actually need monetary um, donations as well. So this is a really important cause. We do have a comment. Uh, good morning to Miss Alba, buenos dias. Uh, we do have a comment from Lizette who says that the food bank gives away to who they want. I went through hard times f- a few months back and I signed, uh, never got a call. And I did the form two times as well before and nothing, at least for me, uh, food bank did not work. So tell us a little bit, Miss Marie, about the intake process of how it works when someone actually um, comes into the food bank.
10: they. There is a form online, but unfortunately that doesn't always reach us. So what we tell people is to come in on a Saturday or even during the week and um, to the First Assembly of God, and I will interview them and give them a sheet to, um, going forward, they can pick up food on Saturday mornings. But um, yeah, we have three other pantries as well. So it depends on the location they're in. Where they, you know, if they're in West Bay, we have a distribution center there. And um, so we go forward from that. But if they just do an online application, it's a good chance it gets missed. I apologize for that, but that's just the way it is. I, I, the, we try to go through what's online, but I don't always receive it. So I don't know if that was the problem with this person. But we, uh, you know, we apologize
3: for that. Just saying that maybe so, we need maybe to get you some, some help, help in terms it. of the online form. Do you, is it a technical issue? Why you're not receiving them or?
10: It's kind of hard because I, oh, I have a full-time job. Uh, the, I volunteer for the food bank. So I try to keep on top of everything, but it's kind of hard. Unless the person actually comes in because we have to get their ID and whatever. Sometimes we'll see the online and we'll contact the person. But like I say, it's not always that it comes to my attention. So we prefer you to come into the um, church where we're located and um, just come to my office. I'm there every Saturday and you Mm -hmm. can meet with me and just sign up.
3: Uh, Woody, I'm wondering if there's anything that can be done um, to maybe streamline that process. Is there... Anything that can be done. Well, I mean, some people might have. Um, you know, I know that everything's been pushing towards online access. We know Miss Marie's only one person. She's working, as she said, a full time job, and she does work tirelessly for the food bank and stuff as well. Can you take volunteers? Like, are there people who can help you do stuff like you know, with the intake process, grabbing the forms for Miss Marie, perhaps making phone calls? Uh, where else can the community step up and assist?
9: Well, but, but yes. I mean, we, we have volunteers, but the the nature of volunteers is, and and this is not this is not an indictment on anyone. It just mm-hmm. is the nature of the beast. Where you, you can't really depend on volunteers, because at the end of the day, they're they're not paid, and there's, they don't have to be there. And so, when other things pop up in their life, um, that typically takes precedence, right? So you. Mm-hmm. It's, you, you can't depend on it. Um, they, we, we couldn't function without our volunteers, but they kind of come and go as they are, they are able. Um, so I only say that to say that um, we can absolutely and do need volunteers, but in terms of it, you know, taking care of the situation where Lizette didn't get her email answered, I'm, I'm not going to say that we could use volunteers to make sure that that doesn't happen again. We we need to have a better fix, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't actually know that that those were drop dropping through the cracks. So this is why communication is so important. You don't you don't always know everything that you need to know. So when you when you bring it out into the open, you hear things. So it's it's a good comment, and I'm glad that she was honest um, and brought that to our attention so that um, we can work on that. Because at the end of the day, it's really not acceptable that we tell people to to email us and then we aren't able to to answer the email. So whatever the problems are, we need to get it resolved. And mm-hmm. so I, I appreciate the comment.
3: All right, Lizette. So um, Mr. Woody Foster has given us his word and I can tell you that he's a man of his word. I deal with him all the time. He's always, a, he's, he's like the fixer. I feel like that should be his official title. <laughs> <laughs> he fixes problems on a, on a regular basis. So um, we look forward to definitely having that fixed. So folks, don't forget that you can call into the program 936-2626. If you have a question uh, for or comment, for our guests this morning, we'd be happy to um, take your call. So um, just tell us a little bit about what's the difference between the food bank and the food pantries, because this is another area that I think might be confusing to some individuals. Well,
9: um, the, a food pantry is the distribution distribution point where the the food bank sort of brings it all in um, and deals with it and it, it also there there's there's other components to it that we would like to get off the ground, we just haven't been able to. Um, one of those was we, we would like to be able to at, at some point in our life cycle to be able to repurpose food. Um, because, you know, one of the goals when Pastor Boucher, um, you know, f- first helped set up the food bank was because amongst all of the many things that he can do, one was cook. Um, and so, the, the for instance, if Foster's has um, extra tomatoes that for whatever reason we just can't get rid of, we could donate that to the food bank and the food bank could take that and and other things and and make spaghetti sauce, for instance, um, and be able to to give that out. Um, so I give that example and say that a food bank is more than just handing out to the recipients where the pantries, that's their job. They they hand out to the actual recipient. So we have one in West Bay. We have one in Badentown, um, one in Red Bay, Miss Marie. And then in East End, uh, Though it did East End. East End hasn't gotten off the ground. Oh, you're still on mute.
3: Oh yeah sorry.
9: So I think we have four pantries. Um first assembly of course is a, is a pantry and then the food bank just sort of pulls them all together.
3: Mhm. Okay. So um, let's talk about, I know some of the MP offices are also serving as distribution points. So they do get some food from the food bank. I know um, there's Kathy in West Bay, who's been doing that. And Miss Sabina Turner Prospect, those are the two that I'm aware of at their MP offices. They store a quantity of, um, you know, frozen food and other goods. So can, can the network, um, I guess, this is sort of a loaded question because you need more food, obviously. But can the network of entries be expanded if you had a regular, um, reliable source of food and donations coming in to the food bank?
9: Yes, absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. it, it, it wouldn't just be food though. We would we would need dollars because, as Miss mm-hmm. Marie says, if the food that's donated, whether it's from Foster's, whether it's from Jake Scott, Heston, Progressive. Whoever, whatever, I saw her last month. We got quite a bit from Cost You Less.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
9: not our staple items, right? They're they're giving us um, what they need help in, in getting rid of. Maybe they bought too much of something, or is getting close dated, or or whatever. And so we never know what that is. Where there's certain things that we need every month to give away. Um, I think the 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 one protein that we're giving away is chicken. Um, then there's rice, beans, pasta, um, things that can sort of stretch that um, those type of items we have to purchase. So if we were to put a pantry in every district, let's say, we would obviously then need funding to purchase those goods.
3: Right. And you're having to purchase them, Woody, because there's just simply not enough people donating um, to the food pantry?
9: Well, yes, but also. A it's, bank, I should say well and there's a there's a, a there's fixed items and like i said we're not we're not getting so the entities are not donating to us what we need to give away they're donating to us what assists them um in terms of say things going out of date or they bought too much of something whatever the, the case may be so it's not to say that foster is progressive jake scott has a, has an agreement to give us the pasta rice beans that we need um that's not mm-hmm.
0: happening
3: Okay. So you do get donations. Of course, I'm sure people are sitting there thinking of you and your dual role as I'm the managing director of Foster's. So you can speak to the grocery store um, community. You guys do make donations uh, to the food bank for certain types of, of, you know, products. Mm
9: -hmm. Yes. Yeah, we do. Um, But we're not, we're not, Foster's isn't funding the food bank.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
9: the food bank is a separate entity I just happen mm-hmm. to be on on both right um, but it's um, so so yeah so we're not actually funding the, the food bank per se mm-hmm. we're donating to the food bank as we would to ARC or Meals on Wheels or Feed Our Future or or any other entity. Mm-hmm.
3: Kizwiz is asking about the location of the pantry in Bodentown. Miss Marie where is that one located?
10: I'm off mute okay um Charlene Henriquez runs that pantry and she delivers. So if it's someone from Town, what they do is they could contact me and I'll let her know that someone else is in need and they'll fill out their forms and um, whatever and I'll pass that on to her or they can reach her directly. And um, what she does is she actually does deliveries with the food if they're under her.
3: Yes. Yes. All right. We do have a young um, lady this morning who wants to volunteer and she is asking um, how she can go about becoming a volunteer. She says, good morning. What kind of help? does the food bank need volunteers for people can volunteer to assist in different ways. Um, please get the contact details. I can try and get some corporate donations. So she works in a company. And um, of course this would be fantastic. And I think this is a great idea if you're an organization that is looking for, you know, different MPOs that you can um, assist and volunteer. And I think sometimes it's good to kind of rotate through NPOs, but, Um, you know, some corporations have hundreds and hundreds of people working for them. And even if you had a core group of 10 volunteers for a different type of NPO, it could be something of immense assistance. So let us know, um, Woody and Miss Marie, what would be the best way for people to contact or who should they contact if they're interested in putting together some sort of volunteer group?
10: Well, they usually contact me. Um, my phone is, um, number is on the website. I can give it to you now. Um, and we'd go from there, you know, and I'd speak to them and they'd let me know what it is they have in mind. But we need volunteers in all different areas. So, you know, I'm sure everyone could do something.
9: Well, it's good to have a, a good volunteer base, Sandy, because as I said before, um, and, and it's and it's not an indictment. People have their own lives and they, they have jobs and kids and, and right. lots of things competing for their time.
0: Mm-hmm. So
9: the larger our volunteer base is, the the easier it is for us because you know, five can show up this week and a different five the next week, as opposed to having to depend on the same five all the time because then it gets difficult. Then you end up with one mm-hmm. person. Um so the bigger the base, the better, and it also then allows people to say, "Well, all right, well, I'll I'll do three weeks a year or three mm-hmm. weeks, a lot, whatever whatever they can fit in." So the bigger the, the bigger our base, the, the better it is for
3: us. Yes, absolutely. So, Miss um, Marie, I'm assuming that that's still your telephone number that I've got scrolling there eight zero zero six.
10: Yep, that's it.
3: All right, it hasn't changed, folks. So, um, <laughs> you know, thank you so much. So again, folks, 916-8006 is a telephone number if you um would like to volunteer. There's lots of ways in which you can. So please reach out to Miss Marie. Um, I see Miss Sharice has joined. I think she's probably just trying to listen. Sometimes people click on the wrong link. I'm not sure if she wants to come on air. With any comments, so let me just confirm if she's just wanting to listen to the program here today. So, 92636936, my apologies, 2626 is a telephone number. Jonathan says, Poverty, not property. I'm not sure, Jonathan, if you want to expound on that. Good morning to Debbie. Thank you for joining the program. As Nancy has also got it locked. Um, Jackie says, arc is the best. They have a good heart. So this isn't about pitting NPOs against each other, folks. This is about, you know, NPOs, um, all having a role to play. And Miss Marie, you said that you have how many, uh, clients coming through the door for the pantry? pantry?
10: Weekly, we're we cater to 400 families.
3: 400 families, folks. Yes, That's- and,
10: um, we have signups every week. So we're obviously doing something right.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And listen, during the um during the pandemic, I must say that the amount of people that um relied on the food bank was immense. And I know you had additional volunteers that came on board. I remember Mr. Alrick was there. That's how I met Misha uh, and Corey, actually, because they were there on Saturdays, um, you know, giving of their time, eventually making masks for people who were in need, um, helping to pack, you know, uh, goods uh, into the little goodie bags for the food bank. Now, we do have a question from someone who's wondering if... um, If there are any concerns regarding people abusing the pantry services and if this is a concern for the organization. So let me just read this particular comment. Give me one second. Let me see if I can find it back. So this person says that they understand uh, that people are I don't know how they would be hoarding it, but they said, good morning, please mention on your topic that there are people bragging on social media platforms of how easily accessible the food bank uh, here is and how they're sending barrels of supplies from the food bank back home. Also, please ask if and how this kind of inconsiderate mentality can be avoided. Is that a concern? Is that something that you think people are actually doing? Oh, sorry, Miss Marie, hold on one second. There we go.
10: Well, I think in anything, you're gonna have some level of abuse. But um, we do, that's why we like people to come in and speak to us. They tell us a little bit about their situation. And, um, you know, they give us some information about, you know, their employment status. And um, I really don't think, because what we give is very basic. And for someone, we start at seven in the morning to come out there and stand outside unfortunately we don't have a place that they could come into they have to stand outside Now, i don't think unless someone actually needs something they would actually get up that time of morning because some of them are up from six o'clock and um just to stand in line for a bag of basic groceries um
9: I think Miss Murray did have to hoard it
0: for quite a while. To make yes, a
10: barrel they would they would have to hoard it. And I think people are referring to the foreign nationals that come there, and um, and I, we hear a lot of complaints from locals, you know, about the amount of foreign nationals, but these foreign nationals, their incomes are very low, and um I think it, it's pretty. It's a good assistance to them um, to be able to access mm-hmm. the food bank because when they're paying eight hundred dollars rent, or whatever, just for a room, mm-hmm. and sometimes their salaries are maybe a thousand dollars a month. So they definitely would fit the category of someone needing some assistance.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, wow, and I, I mean I can't even I can't believe. believe um, um, that people that sure are cribbling about, yeah, about the food it. bank and who the food bank is helping. To me, that sounds a little bit petty in the sense that, you know, whether the person um, is a foreign national or not, you know, it shouldn't matter. They're part of the community here and we should be willing to, to help each other out. So Rachel has a question that's quite interesting. She says, why don't you appeal to the government for assistance? They give grants to Meals and Wheels and other NPOs. Do you get any sort of grants from the Cayman Islands government. And of course, we know government is a bit tapped out in terms of everybody goes to them for assistance, I suppose. Um,
9: We do not get any funding from from government. Um, We have asked in the past and have had not been successful. Um, However, since Minister Ebanks has you know, gone back into the ministry because he was in this ministry before he went to the UK, um, and then since he's come back and he, he's he's won his seat, we we have spoken to him because this falls under his his ministry. Um, so we have had a communication, and we are putting together um, a report basically and and a request for assistance, and so we'll be looking at working with with government for um, their their new budget cycle um, because this one is is tapped out. Uh-huh. Um, so we are in discussions with them to to try and get some some resources from government because we are getting more and more um, people sent to us by the NAU. Um, it's not a huge amount, but they uh-huh. are but the NAU is sending people to us. <clears throat> so are those people that are in transition um, because okay. it takes it for you to get onboarded with the NAU, it, it can take some time and in the meantime, you're still struggling. Uh-huh. Um, so we, we can act as a bridge sometimes um, in, in assisting some of those people. So I think they do recognize um, our importance and, and the, the part that we play. Um, so I think we'll have that to, to be able to make our case to, to, to get assistance from the government. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that we'll get there for the new budget cycle.
3: So we do have uh, Lashawn with a question. She says, "Please advise if teens are allowed um, to get assistance. Is there any sort of age limit for who can apply?"
9: No, no. Um, I, um, I mean, I it's it's it. probably best that there's parental supervision. Um, uh, you know, obviously this um, this world is changing, um, and like if you if if you look at um, and this is something that you talk a lot about, and with your many hats mm-hmm. and, and issues in in Cayman, um, you have to protect the minor, but you also have to protect yourself, right? Which is why you have darkness to light training um, mm-hmm. to to be able to understand how to make sure that you don't put yourself in an, in a um, compromising position. Nothing nothing on toward. You just don't want to put yourself in that situation, mm-hmm. um, and to. To be honest, because we're a food bank and, and we haven't done anything, we haven't really required any of our volunteers or, or any of our staff to to go through that type of training. So I say that to say in, in terms of dealing with with teens, mm-hmm. we would probably want parental supervision there just to make sure that we don't put ourselves in any type of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer the question, it, it shouldn't be an issue.
3: And so the, she just clarified that it was actually in relation to teens volunteering. Um, so good question, LaShawn, thank you for clarifying that. And again, I think your comments are probably um, spot on. You need a child um, uh, safeguarding policy <laughs> if you're gonna take on teen volunteers. So it's probably not a bad idea. Uh, Ms. Marie has uh, some comments on that. Yes, okay. We do have
10: several teens volunteering. They do it as part of their um, uh, school exit. Um, what they'll do is they have to have so many hours to graduate. And we've done a lot of that with the teens. We give them the hours that they need to um, fulfill for community service. So we do have teen volunteers. And I also have done the darkness to light several times. So it qualifies me. So I um, I guess I had done that program,
3: yeah. All right, so Hi. someone says that they, say that in terms, they, of the terms of the food um, um, storage issue, that they heard somebody bragging in some show called Auntie Donna, I don't know who the heck Auntie Donna is in Jamaica, but they must have a lot of time in their hands to be trying to steal from a food bank. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't even make any sense. Um. So thank you so much. Okay. All right, folks. Um, Another viewer to the program says, uh, does it really matter where people are from? If food bank caters to all humanity should be expanded to all or extended to all. And this represents a high level of ignorance in their opinion. Oh, interesting comments. All right, folks, 936-2626. We've got some busy uh, volunteers on the program this morning with the Cayman Islands Food Bank if you have any additional questions or comments for them. So LaShawn, I would suggest uh, reaching out to the same volunteer number that you see scrolling on the screen, which is 916-8006 to reach out to Ms. Marie Eden. And she'd be more than happy to uh, bring you into the volunteer program so folks uh they need assistance in many many ways donations monetary donations to help with the cost of all of the admin fees that are associated with running their organization, so everything from rent to paying, you know, whatever staff are actually paid. I mean, office supplies. Everyone needs something to run their NPOs. They also need uh, food donations. Money can be used to purchase foods as well. Would you rather have, uh, would be the money to purchase food, or would you rather have people drop off food items, or does it matter?
9: Doesn't doesn't matter. Um, well. <laughs> cash is better. Um, uh, just, just a brief thing on, on the cash. As, as, I, as I mentioned um, at the start of the program, during the pandemic, um, the community was amazing in terms of, of the support that we got in cash. Um, and it has really helped us to sustain our, ourselves. And But we are, now that the, pandemic is, we, we know it's not over, but the crisis of it in, in terms of, of people feeling the crisis of it, um, at least for now, seems to be somewhat over. And so we're not getting the, the donations like we used to during that two-year period. Um, and so we're basically burning through the cash that um, we got during the, the pandemic. so while we have money in the bank now and are able to sustain ourselves, we're spending more than we're bringing in. So in essence, we're kind of moving in that direction that we, that we were in pre pandemic. Um, So I say that to say that, that cash is good and it allows us to buy the products that we need to be able to give to the needy. Mm
0: -hmm. However,
9: if you don't have the cash um, and you want to, um, you know, you know, we, we did a program a couple of Christmases ago called a reverse Advent calendar where um, sort of every day you, you know, you, you put a little thing in a basket and then towards Christmas, you bring us that basket of goods. Um, if you want to do that or, you know, you and your friends want to get together and go to a price right or cost you less or, or wherever and buy some things and bring to us, we're happy to take that as well. What, whatever works for you, we okay. are thankful
3: wonderful so Kizwiz says i think people that need the help get it but i've also seen with my own eyes people would put their bags in the car and then go back for extra so do you how closely marie do you monitor um people who are getting bags like do you say oh you've received one bag you can't get well, any more
10: we have people out there that does the distribution i'm usually in the office taking um new recipients taking applications for um persons who would like to receive assistance so I'm seldom out front there, but most of the girls they know who they know the people by now. It's we have some dedicated volunteers that have been doing this for years, and um, they're they're familiar with the people. They each have to produce a slip, and um, and that entitles you to one bag. But um, what happens is sometimes they'll pick up for someone else that's sick or whatever. They all have um, we, someone that we granted permission to do that for, too because of the situation. We don't like to do that, but we do on um, extreme cases if someone's not well enough to come and get the food. So you might see somebody put a bag in and then they come back and pick up something else for someone else.
0: Well,
9: that is something that we are that we are working on. Um, <clears throat> we we partnered with a company to help us to get some technology to where we could do a better job of of managing that.
0: Um,
9: we rolled it out last year, but we had some technical issues, and then the phones that we were that were donated by Digicel to be able to do it didn't really work properly, and so we've we've had quite a few technical difficulties with doing that. So once once we get those things ironed out, um, and our and um our volunteers can can pick up how to to use that that'll help with those types of situations um Mm -hmm. because as miss marie said earlier in any situation you're going to find people that find a way to abuse the system Mm -hmm. and yes i'm i'm sure she saw where that that may have happened here and there now it may have been innocent as miss marie said where somebody was collecting for somewhere else where it may have you know not Mm -hmm. been so we are, we are trying to work in that to where we can stop that because we also don't want somebody to come to First Assembly and then go to West Bay and then go mm-hmm. and, and hit every pantry. Um, so once we get a little bit more technology working, we can help to head off some of that.
3: Right. And Susan is asking, is there any specific items that you're always in need of? Yeah.
10: Canned foods, we all, we're always in need of.
3: So any any kind of canned food, pretty much. Yes,
10: canned foods. We definitely. Um, the thing is, we we cater to so many people that it's hard to get 400. And even sometimes the stores don't have the stock when we go to buy it. Enough of any one item because we try to give everybody basically the same or equal. So um, to get 400 of anything is quite hard, you know. So it's it's you know canned goods, we, we vegetables canned meats, we, we always need that type of thing. Also, so, could, you, so, could yes. you mind speaking to the point of the best by dates of the food? Some people seem to think that because it's a, uh, past the best by date that the food is no longer safe to consume, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. It usually the food can usually last quite a while after that best by date on it. That's just more of a guideline. It's nothing to do with the safety of the, what's uh-huh. inside of the can. So you know, if they get one week pa- best buy, um, past the best buy, it's nothing wrong with the items. And we do try things that are all past the best buy. We have tasters, and, and people look, we'll, if it's any question about it, we'll try to sample it and see if it's okay to, for consumption. So we don't give anything out that's spoiled. At least we try not to. Something may slip through that's stale or something, and you just throw it away. But we do the best we can not to give anybody anything that's not um, that we would need ourselves. What can, yeah.
9: can I actually? Would mind speaking I wouldn't mind to that, speak. that Sandy? Um, sure. Yeah, I I spoke on behalf of the government at the UK food exposition um a a few months ago and the topic Mm -hmm. that i was that i was on the panel for was was food waste Mm. um it may or may not shock the world um that globally we throw away a third of the food um either produced or sold or whatever the case because obviously food comes in you know it's whether it's processed or fresh food whatever the case one third it's estimated that goes in the landfill every year globally. Mm-hmm. Part of the problem with that is that manufacturer dates have become such a such an issue that if it if once it hits the dates, all of a sudden it's spoiled. That's mm-hmm. not the case. In fact, globally and in quite a number of countries, they're trying to change that um, so that people can so instead of a a, a best buy, it's a best sold buy because I mean one of the reasons for those dates is so that grocery stores, let's say, can can properly rotate their product because if you don't put any date on it at all, uh-huh. how do you how do you rotate it? You don't know when it came in. it's it's then too confusing. So you need to have some mechanism. Uh. But there's no magic to that date that says once that date hits, it's no good. Mm -hmm. Um, I spoke on your show last year or the year before Mm -hmm. um, about milk. I I use milk as an example. So we purchase milk from the US. Obviously, there is no production of milk here in the Cayman Islands. Mm -hmm. In Florida, they have only 10 days. So once the manufacturer makes it, they have 10 days to sell that product. And if it is not sold in 10 days, it gets has to go to the dump, right? The same milk gets island coating because we don't have those same restrictions.
0: Mm-hmm.
9: So we get 21 days, right? It's the same product. There's no difference. So in Florida, based on the rule that once the date hits, it's now spoiled, on day 11, it's going to make you sick but it takes until day 22 in Cayman. Does that make hmm. any
0: sense?
3: Not really. <laughs>
9: and once, It's
3: very arbitrary.
9: Well, once the cold chain is maintained, even after day 22, that milk mm-hmm. is still good. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't fool milk. There's no tricking milk. You put your nose in it and it's either good or it's not, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you have many days. As long as you keep the cold chain after that, 22nd date still good. So I, I only to give that example to say that the dates are important in terms of making sure that we rotate it properly, that there's some method of it's not just there forever because you, you don't want to sell um, spoiled goods, obviously. And you want to make sure that the ones that came in first leave first so that you don't have, you don't have a problem there. But I think we need to be careful how we say, well, the food bank shouldn't sell or shouldn't give away outdated product. Does it mean that they want us to just throw that perfectly good food in the trash? Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's that's the right move. So I think there needs to be a better understanding of the product, the dates. And the reason why we have a freezer is so that we can take products that are, say, refrigerated and we put it in the, in the freezer to then stop I mean it doesn't it doesn't stop it but it greatly reduces um you know the the dating issue from there that's why we put in that freezer so we could take bread we could take milk and we put it in the freezer and all of a sudden now we can keep it for longer periods of time Mm
3: -hmm. wow so that's that's good to know because I myself am a little bit skittish about dates and sometimes I'm like looking for a date and I'm like is this is it a best use by date, best buy date or is it like do I have to throw it out on that date so you're saying that most foods if they're kept um at a sufficient temperature that becomes a non issue.
9: Well I mean again I don't want to say non issue right Every, everything needs to be to be looked at and and and, and tested mm-hmm. but remember now that especially in the US where it's such a litigious or they'll sue you for anything. Yes. Um manufacturers are not going to put a date that is like good today, bad tomorrow. They're mm-hmm. building in lots of cushion to make sure that they are not put in an uncompromising situation.
0: Mm-hmm. So
9: I mean produce mm-hmm. once you pick it it's dying, right? So mm-hmm. you have you have to get rid of it, or you process it in some way and refrigerate it, and or 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 freeze it.
0: Mm-hmm.
9: But uh, for most of the items, I mean, you got to be careful with chicken, and you have to, you know those type of things you have you have mm-hmm. to be careful on. But generally, the the dates are not the end all, be all. That if you don't use it by this date, it's going mm-hmm. to you. That's right. generally not accurate.
3: Mm. Okay. All right, folks. So you heard it from uh, the food expert, (laughs) the grocery food expert. Salvin says, congratulations to the food bank. Woody's love for people is most visible after Ivan. I fell in love with Foster's thereafter. Great humanitarian. And um, I'll second that, uh, Salvin. Thank you for those comments. Um, Woody, thank you and Miss Marie for your tireless work in relation to the food bank. I think Woody does so much um, silently that people don't know about. He's one of my favorite people um, when it comes to volunteerism and just... You know, anything that you need, really. And I, I feel so bad because I think that sometimes, and I try not to... Uh, this is something that is someone who sometimes is asking for donations on behalf of other people. They, there always seems to be a handful of people they are so willing to help and so willing to give. And I feel like because of that, those individuals are constantly being tapped into and exhausted, really. And I think it's important for us not to exhaust um, our available resources, not to exhaust volunteers. Because, you know, every, everyone has a point where they're like, OK, <laughs> I can't give any more, um, whether it's of their time resources and so on. Uh, obviously, Mr. Woody Foster is part of a corporate entity. And uh, like every other company here in the Cayman Islands, they're entitled to, you know, to make a profit so that they can pay staff, they can pay all of their um, other obligations and keeps literally um, hundreds of people, if not thousands of people employed. So thank you again to Woody Foster and Miss Marie Eden, who are here this morning as part of the Cayman Islands Food Bank. The greatest, I think, message this morning is, number one, um resources are needed. Uh, The food bank, I think, was a little bit under radar and we reached out to them to invite them on the program today because I think it was last week we were having a discussion and somehow the, the topic of the food bank came up in that discussion. And I was shocked at people who did not even know that we have a food bank in the Cayman Islands. I thought, where are you living? Um, so yes, we do have a food bank. It was started back in late uh, 2017. Uh, they are here and they're trying to survive just like every other entity out there. So donations are most welcome. Uh, folks, you know, donations, money, uh, monetary donations, food donations, time given of your time. Nathena says that she learned a lot this morning. Melita's here. Miss Lucille says, uh, a very good morning, Sandy. I'm not there to give um, my old age pension. I have children and great-grandchildren, so government can donate even half of it and donate it to the uh, food bank. I work in the Cayman Islands all of my life. I love you all at home. Um, I know when I come, government will not help me, and I'm praying that I do not have to go to them. I have uh, friends home right now, that is crying about their bills and everything else. So this is a worldwide situation. Lucille, we're going to be talking about the economy just here in a second, because of course I was uh, doing a bit of reading on where we are in terms of the economy, not just in Cayman Islands, but worldwide. So Melita says, I freeze everything until I'm ready to use it. It works for me. People invest in a deep freezer if you haven't already. Is that normally a good idea, Woody? Can you... Can you extend the shelf life of meats and everything else if you really do put them in, in a deep freeze?
0: Yeah,
9: yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it doesn't it doesn't stop it because um, you get freezer burn and, right. and so it is not endless, but it absolutely slows it down dramatically. Yes, it's mm-hmm. a good it's it's a good policy right now okay. what you don't want to do is is thaw it out and then refreeze it you got to be careful there because the thawing process mm. obviously introduces bacteria and then if you go and freeze it now you might have an issue so don't refreeze only mm. do it once
3: I only do it once mm, good advice um so carmen says mr woody is god's gift to gay man Jonathan says, CUC so would love if you get yourself a deep freezer. Well, <laughs> you, you'd be saving money on the other end, uh, Jonathan. So, you know, we're looking to be practical and save wherever we can. And I'm sure there are now energy efficient deep freezers out there that are available in terms of appliances. So, so everybody, let's give, um, you know, a big round of applause uh, to our guests this morning. We actually have a little virtual applause button. There we go. <laughs> Thank you to uh, the Cayman Islands uh, Food Bank. Again, Mr. Woody Foster and Marie Eden joined us this morning um, to tell us a little bit about their program. Unfortunately, Miss Naomi, who's also on the board of directors, was not able to join. Uh, but we appreciate your volunteerism. We appreciate the Food Bank. And folks, if you can assist in any way, please reach out to Miss Marie, 916-8006. On this program, we put the call out a lot of times for people to assist in different ways. And I'm really begging you to give of your time to donate a little bit to the food bank. And as you were talking about the need for volunteers, I was actually thinking in my head if I could even spare maybe one or two hours a week out of my schedule, Miss Marie, to help you in some way, whether it's bagging or whatever. So I am going to reach out to you myself. Thank you. All right. So, Mr. Marie, any final words before we close off close today? Off today? Mm, no. <laughs> Just
10: thank you for having us. And uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. My- any help we can get, we appreciate that, too. You know, I'm sure it's something everyone can do. You know, if you can bag, you can help raise funds. You know, everyone has a gift of something. And I'm sure it's something you can spend an hour, at least a week or something to assist us. So we welcome anyone
3: that wants to come and help. Just um, give me a call. Wonderful. Uh, Woody, any final words?
9: Uh, my final words uh, would be to say thank you to Cayman community. Um, this community has always been just outstanding in terms of of how they help when the, when the chips are down. Obviously, the whole world was suffering from COVID, and Cayman obviously was was no different. But as always k community came through for, for those in need during those difficult times. And I just want to say thank you to all of those people, um, large and small and everything in between for the last two years of support. Um, uh, but looking, not but, looking forward, um, you know, whatever support we can get from, um, we just would appreciate that and, and thank you for it.
3: All right. Well, thank you very much, Sherry ann uh, saying good morning, Woody, and uh, confirming that you gave a lot to the Guanaha fire victims in that donation drive as well. Another listener to the program sent a message via WhatsApp saying that milk, if kept cold, is good for at least 10 days after the expiration date. Even after that date, it can be used for egg custards. And if it smells, it can be used to make cheese. <laughs> hmm. Smelly cheese.
0: <laughs> <I>
3: <laughs> All right. Cheese. <laughs> well, people are willing to get extremely creative. So again, folks, thank your guests this morning, Marie Eden and Woody Foster from the K Mountain Food Bank. Thank you guys and thank have an, an absolutely beautiful day.
9: Thank you. Take care.
3: All righty.
4: At the HSA, we know that your time is a precious resource and want to help you spend it wisely. Avoid the wait and request your prescription refills, through our website, WhatsApp, or by calling the pharmacy. Use our delivery service if you are vulnerable, elderly, or a civil servant, or pick them up the next day. Your secure health records are at your fingertips with our My HSA patient portal and Healthy Life app. Our nine locations throughout all three islands make receiving quality care simple and convenient because your time matters to us.
3: All right, folks, 916-8006 is the volunteer number that you can use to contact Miss Marie. And like I said, I'm going to uh, do my best to find some time in my busy schedule um, to volunteer. That probably means less sleep for me at some point. <laughs> um, but I feel like we can all give something. Even one hour a week uh, can probably be given by most of us. So find out um, exactly what you can do, folks, um, and how you can assist. Loretta is saying that I'd love to help as well by volunteering my time. So Loretta, yes, give them a call. Nathina, are you into volunteer? Let's make it. Let's make it a thing. Listen, one of the most interesting things about K Man is I feel like we have a lot of NPOs. Sometimes there could be a little bit of redundancy. I know at one point there was. Um, I think NPOs were trying to get together. And see and ensure that they were not duplicating or replicating their efforts. So, there are people who focus on um, the provision of food. So, for example, there's Meals and Wheels. The big difference at Meals and Wheels and the food bank is Meals and Wheels actually prepares meals every single day. And they deliver um, meals to the most vulnerable people in the community, which include a lot of the elderly in the community who may not be able to stand up, you know, at, by a stove or, or hire a helper or anybody else that can assist them with cooking um, or handicapped people, again, who might have difficulties uh, getting the cooking tasks done, right? So Meals and Wheels is, is a wonderful orga- organization organization that offers cooked meals, so that's, that's kind of like their niche, right? The food bank isn't going to cook your meal, folks. They're going to provide you with the raw materials to be able to do it yourself. So they do have chicken. They do have, like um, Mr. Woody said, pasta and rice and other things that you can do meal prep um, on your own. And I would really implore anyone who is, uh, you know, taking advantage of any NPO, you don't and in, in the end, you only hurt yourself. You don't really, it might be a short-term gain, but ultimately you're not helping yourself when you take advantage of um, people who are willing to give of their time and their resources, including these uh, different NPOs that exist. I mean, I, I think it's sad when people feel like they have to do that because we live in an amazing community where so many people are happy to give to people in need. the, the nobody wants to be taken advantage of, right? So if people find, or they think that you're scamming them, you're gonna find that they're less likely to help. And there have been more than one instance where this uh, kind of topic has come up, where people um, are going around, you know, claiming that they have a need that they don't necessarily have, or begging people for um, assistance when they in fact don't even need assistance. So folks, let's tighten our belt uh, of morality, if we can, and not seek to take advantage of anyone. Um, So volunteerism, I want to talk about this a little bit because I feel like Caymanians, and I I know some of y'all are going to get upset at me for saying this, but I'm going to call it like it is. It's called the cool hard truth after all. I find that Caymanians are not the best in the world at volunteerism. And I say this after having two beautiful commandants on the program this morning, Mr. Woody Foster and Miss Marie Eden, who are volunteering of their time. But I think a lot of us are like, oh, let somebody else do that. How many times have you said that? Oh, somebody else can volunteer. Well, why? This is our, this is our community, right? So why are we leaving it up to other people? And I love how you got the mentality of some of y'all like, oh, yeah, those PR holders need their points. Let them do it. Um, everything from the Humane Society, Walking of the Dogs, the Cayman Islands Food Bank, all these organizations rely on a very, very limited pool of volunteers. And I want to give a big shout out to the um, Bahanihan community, the Filipino community, because I must tell you that one of the things that that uh, Filipino community does um, with uh Uh, let me tell you now, Dion and the rest of the crew, is that, um, you know, they really galvanized themselves. They put on events to try to fundraise within their own community to help not just Filipinos, but they have reached out and they've helped others as well. They were saying, listen, we got donations, um, you know, from fundraising events that we have done and we passed that on to when when there was the, the hurricanes that hit Honduras and I think it was Honduras, and Nicaragua, whatever, they they gave of, you know, their donations. Um, and that's just so incredibly important. We're all here as, as human beings to try to help each other wherever we can. And I really, really feel like there's more that we can do. So I want everybody this morning to have a, a Good look in the mirror at yourself and ask, how can I do more? How can I volunteer? This is your community. Big shout out to Sherry ann We know that Sherry ann was instrumental in helping the people in Guanaja. She got at least, I think, was it in the end, two or three containers, like shipping containers, uh, full of donated goods. And yes, I get it. I get that that's a big, you know, trying to organize stuff and trying to organize volunteers. She had people who were, you know, um, at the actual containers, securing them, making sure that nobody was going in there at night trying to take stuff out and the whole nine yards. It was a huge effort. And maybe you can't do that on an ongoing basis, but I do feel like there's always something that you can do to help those who are less fortunate. Maybe you don't have the money. It's not always about money, but certainly you can find time. And even people, thank you, sherri She says it was actually four containers that was sent to help the people um, in Honduras after that fire broke out in that community there. So, you know, even if um, you... You know, don't have the financial resources to make any sort of donation, or maybe you can't take stuff out of your own pantry. Everybody's trying to put together their, their little hurricane supplies and whatever right now. There has to be something that you can give. It's called time. It's actually the most valuable thing in the world if you understand how to value your time, right? So give of your time. Listen, if you are in need and you've ever used the food bank, so 400 families, on a weekly basis, 400 plus families are being helped by the volunteers and the good people at the food bank. Imagine if every single one of those 400 people gave one hour per week to volunteer, to assist and to give back. See the cycle of how this works? Someone is giving of their time, of their resources to help you. You in turn, just out of gratitude, you don't need anything for it, just out of gratitude, you in turn can turn around and give back to the same organizations that you were benefiting from. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Anybody feeling me this morning? Dion, good morning. I was just talking about your Bahanihan community organization, NPO, that is helping so many people uh, both here and beyond. Uh, what do you guys think? Am I, am I crazy? You guys, you guys can tell me if you think I'm crazy, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be offended. 936-2626. Imagine what a world it would be if everyone who was benefiting from the kindness of somebody else extended that kindness to other people. Wow, 400 plus families, not even individuals, but families are being helped through the, the wonderful work that the food bank is doing. Those families consist of children who might not be able to do a whole lot, but, you know, children can put canned goods in a bag. Um, And the lessons that you teach your children when you show them that in this world you have to give to others, you have to give back to the community, I think is a lesson that there's only one way to to teach that lesson is that's by doing. Anybody with me on this one? Or am I gone off here and you're thinking, nah, Sandy, we can't do that. We too busy. One hour a week, 400 people, if they gave one hour a week back to the food bank? Because a lot of them are not working, right? They're relying on government assistance, NAU, whatever. I mean, I feel like NAU needs to start putting a couple of things in place where they're encouraging people to do Like, okay, you're not working right now because you can't find a job. That doesn't mean that you have to be sitting home on your behind all day doing nothing. Go and volunteer 10 hours uh, a week an NPO. That could open up opportunities for you, even in terms of employment, which you're eventually seeking. What's wrong with that? And, And NAU, can you add that to your application form? Ask people if they volunteer and maybe see how you can get them into, like, I feel like we need an organization of, maybe we have this already, of volunteers, I know we have an organization of like the NPOs or whatever, but maybe we just need to get volunteers a little bit better organized. And we could actually be um, using a pool of uh, people from you who are not doing anything. Jonathan Jonathan says, I think you've gone off. <laughs> Is it really too much? Is that such a crazy idea, Jonathan? Come on now, Jonathan. Aren't you the same person who's, who's always pushing your 3G plan about what, what's your 3G plan again? Ganja gigalos and gambling or something. Um, this idea is no crazier than that. In fact, it's a very sane idea. Uh Selvin says the culture of volunteerism must be cultivated on island as the at the grassroots level. You're on point. Damien, can you donate at any of the supermarkets? Uh, for example, buying some groceries and leave it at the table by a volunteer. Hmm. This is a good question. I'm going to ask Mr. Foster about this because um I'm not really sure if they have a volunteer station, like a donation station set up or if they have any space even in the grocery stores to be able to do that. But that's not a bad idea because, you know, sometimes when you're walking out the grocery store, if you had a little um, box there, donate to the food bank, you could actually take out of your cart and just drop in a couple, you know, you'd buy extra obviously because you knew it was there. That would be a very convenient way of doing it, actually. So, Damien, thank you for that suggestion. I think I like it. Uh, Damien says that he would like to volunteer. Damien, will you please call Miss Marie today and say that you heard her on the program and you're happy to volunteer? 916 8006 is the telephone number. Oh, it's a 3G program, Jonathan says. Gambling, Ganja, and Go Go Girls. What did I say? What did I say just now? Well, I think I pretty much got what was involved. All right, caller to the program. Good morning, caller. Are you going to volunteer of your time?
11: I think you're local.
3: <laughs> Besides that, are you going to volunteer of your time? <laughs>
11: um,
3: yes, Denny.
11: This is, this, no, well, actually, what, that's what I, this is what I'm calling to talk to you mm-hmm. about. Um, I might get to hear excuses uh, why you
3: can't volunteer.
11: Uh, well, I. it's not... Excuses. I legitimately have challenges, but this is this is the discussion. Okay, Miss, Mr. Woody um, talked about the perception in Cayman being that people don't are not um, excited about spending money uh-huh. supporting nonprofits. Well most of the comments are about volunteering
0: and
11: and you're trying to get people to volunteer. But the fact of the matter is, is that many people, especially in these difficult times, have to work extra in order just to make ends meet. And so volunteering is, well, it's secondary, truthfully, right? But this is why I think what Mr... Foster said is so important you have to understand that uh, a non-profit organization does not mean a non-cost organization Mm
3: -hmm. and
11: so it takes money to run anything exactly even though you think the food is being given away well then what's the cost there is cost Mm -hmm. because if you want if you want that to be reliable then you're going to have to spend some of the funds um, on the cost of labor. And because they're a nonprofit, it means that they're not making a profit uh-huh. on what is happening. But don't confuse that with not having costs, because there's lots of costs in doing anything. And so, I think I think some of the uh, promotion that you need to be giving is helping people to understand that and remember that and okay donate to that
3: mm-hmm. denny that's, one hour a week yeah. that's all we need from you um what what, well, what are your challenges I'll, I'll help you you need a ride to the food bank come on denny i know you can spare one hour a week you spend a lot of time researching and doing stuff on the computer and calling into the talk show program one hour a week is all we need that's all you need yes i mean that's all the food bank would probably need i mean not me personally i don't need you to volunteer with me but i'm saying will you commit Uh to just one hour per week
11: see this is this is the point no
3: no I, i'm gonna use that
11: as an example to talk about the very point that i'm calling in okay okay which is when would the when would the food bank need me to do the volunteer well caring? listen
3: it sounds like you could probably volunteer at any time because packing of foods no. isn't something that you know
11: no no
3: oh,
11: I can't Lord. volunteer at any time
3: here you know mm, excuse
11: well i well let me give you an example i work from about 1 Mm a.m. till about 11.30 a.m. Sometimes I get extended. Um, And then I have to get some sleep before I go to pick up my son from school, which usually means about an hour or two, the most of sleep. Mm -hmm. And then after I pick up my son, I need to come back home and well, deal with things in the house, and then I have to go back to sleep again. Why? Because I gotta wake up in the middle of the night. Um. And what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say to you is that I don't have as much time as you think I have. But nobody does. And I'm, I, I that's the point. Uh-huh. And so, so this is why, this is why the facilitation of donations and the appreciation that. Yes, it would be nice if people were in a position where they can volunteer, but not everyone could do that. So you'd and rather so,
3: donate. You can donate money is what you're telling me.
11: In, that's right. Or donate. Instead, in- okay. In, in, that's, instead well, of Well, that's something. Volunteering. Yeah. But All no, right. but the, the, the point, that's the point, uh, what he was making, mm-hmm. that people don't appreciate that these things have real costs. And when you don't have the, the volunteers you need, it has real consequences. Uh-huh. Meaning that sometimes the work just don't get done as efficiently as it ought to be done.
0: Uh-huh.
11: That's, that's the, he didn't get into the details, but that's what he was saying.
3: Okay. So we can expect and you so, to and reach so, out and to Miss Marie.
11: Yes, but I'm trying to have a conversation with you about, because if you're not listening to what I'm, I'm saying. I'm totally and, and, listening. Well, then the point I'm trying I'm to make. I'm just trying to get to a commitment
3: is, out of you at the same time.
11: I just I already answered that All question. Right. Okay. And, and the point that I made to you is that you need to equally promote the, uh, the understanding of why donating and, and being okay with some of that money going towards funding the people who make the food bank work. Mm-hmm. Um is is an important thing to do. Okay. So j- just saying volunteer and and you're not talking about the other aspect that that Woody talked about. Um, I think misses the the point that he's making.
3: Well, I thought we covered it, but um... no, no,
11: you no, you it it was, it was mm-hmm. said,
3: mm-hmm. but
11: but what his point was is that. Sadly, people don't appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So the point that I'm making is that you need to spend time getting that to be appreciated in our society. It's appreciated in other places, Mm -hmm. but he's saying he's involved in it and he's saying it's not appreciated. Okay. What I took away from what he's saying is that he wish he wishes that he could have um, the funding that he needs to run it properly so that they could do a better job. But people are saying, no, I don't want my funds to go towards administration. I only want it to go towards food or supplies or whatever that that will literally go to um, the person in need. Well, part of getting the 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 food to someone who needs it is preparing it and delivering it or whatever the program is that they do so to to not appreciate that is to that's that's being unrealistic how's how do you expect to get the work done mm-hmm. and so that's what I want to talk about today that you that you should that you should think about promoting that part of it um, Mm -hmm. on your show, because just saying it one time isn't going to be enough.
3: Thank you, Mr. Denny. So you'll be making a financial donation or food donation, just being very, very clear. Appreciate it. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Chicken. Have a good one. All right. All right. So Denny makes a valid point, folks. Uh, sometimes we, well, we know that on this program that you've got to say something about 20 times for it to sink into the human brain in any event. So folks, in case you missed the memo this morning, volunteerism, donations, monetary donations, donations and supplies, the food bank needs your help in any which way that you can certainly give it. Yes. Miss Latoya. Says, good morning, everyone. I'm from Jamaica, and I'm a certified nursing assistant seeking a job. Miss Latoya. I hate to tell you that this is not a job-seeking network. We get a lot of requests like this all the time. Most people just private message me, and I tell them, mm, I say two things, Miss Loretta. Miss Latoya, sorry. The first thing I say is... um, here in this program, we have a lot of people who are looking for things, including employment. And we try to help Caymanians first. no no shade to anybody else, but it is the Cayman Islands, and everybody is feeling the pinch of you know unemployment, uh, financial hardships, and whatever. So Latoya, just like you're feeling the pinch of maybe looking for you know a nursing assistant job, there are people here in the Cayman Islands who are also looking for opportunities. So that's who we try to promote and assist as much as we can. Came man ins. And then the second thing I say is we're not actually a job agency in any way, shape or form. So if you're looking for employment, the way to go about it is really not to come to CMR for that. We're a news media outlet, content creators. The way that you should go about uh, finding employment is to reach out to individual employers or, uh, you know, go to works.com or .ky or whatever they are these days. And you might find employment opportunities listed there. Cameron says, it's not excuses, it's challenges. Challenges, That's what Denny said. Well, he's agreed to give in some way. It might not be of his time, but hey, contact Miss Marie. Damien said, is several hundred persons pass through one location every day and one can if something adds up? Yes. I mean, for sure. I feel like we need to do something really, really now to help the food bank. Maybe stand up with a little sign saying, turn here to drop off your canned goods. Uh, making it easy for people is, is what's best. Uh, Jonathan says, I can donate free advice coming to my mouth, but it's not going to be anything good. Uh, Jonathan, behave yourself. Cameron says that I have no chill. Yes, I've heard that before and it's probably very true. Um. Damien says, Denny, what a great way to talk for hours. (laughs) As long as he's willing to donate. Melita says, it's basically better to donate to allow it to continue, but also volunteer if you can't afford to donate. Yes. And uh, Cameron says, I hope Sandy won't be involved in the redefinition of behavior because clearly she... When Sandy Lazy I start squinting on a watch out. <laughs> I do not have a lazy eye. I'm purposely squinting on purpose. Ugh, yes. All right, folks. Um, it is what it is. We would like for you to donate to the food bank at Donate Money, Donate Time, Donate Goods, um, anything that you can donate. I'm going to actually try to donate time because I find, like, time's important. And the other reason why I want to donate kind or time, <laughs> kind, is i do have um, a toddler in my house she's going to be six years old in august you know we share we're august babies we share uh, the birth month and um i feel like now she's getting to the age where she needs to understand certain things like there are lots of people in this world who are very very unfortunate so you know all of our all of us as parents always say things to our kids like when they want to buy something oh mom you know can you buy this for me you're like you know, there are people in the world who don't have money to buy, to just walk into a store and buy anything that they want, right? So when they're asking for toy, you're like, you don't need another toy. You've got tons of toys already. Uh, we put together stuff out of her playroom. I just took a bag, donated it to an MP's office the other day because there were gifts in there that she'd been given that she never got to open up and she had outgrown. They were still packaging and everything. Put this towards your, I said, put this towards like your Christmas stash where you want to be gifting and, get gifting and giving stuff away. Uh, whenever we clean out her playroom, I try to get her involved in the process. Although sometimes you got to do it without kids because they don't want to give anything away. Oh no, I'm not, I don't want to give that away. I want to play with that. And my thing is, have you used it in the last six months? If you haven't used it in the last six months, you probably do not need it. So I think teaching children from a very early age about the importance of giving to others And volunteerism is actually really, really important. It's an important trait to have. So if you have children, drag your kids along with you so that they know what it's like to be involved in the community, right? Whether it's helping at the nursing homes, walking the dogs at the Humane Society. I mean, you go with them. And this is good quality time, folks, that you can actually spend with your children, right? And you're teaching them a lesson that n- nothing else can teach them. Like when you say to them, when they're, they're at the dining room table and they're wasting food. And you say, oh, they're starving children in, you know what I said to my daughter a couple nights ago? Something she didn't want to eat. And I said, Gianna, do you know that they're starving children in the Cayman Islands? I'm not going to talk about the children in Africa or China or wherever our parents used to say. No, they're right here in the Cayman Islands. Maybe even in our neighborhood. because. And number one, it's true. And number two, it brings home the point that we don't have to go very far to find people who are in need. I don't have to go to Africa to find people in need. And I sincerely believe that charity begins at home. So take your children with you to volunteer. And that's why I'm thinking that I want to volunteer as opposed to making a monetary donation. And you can do both, you know, you can do more than one thing, folks. So maybe you could spare a hundred dollars a month and you can also spare an hour of your time. But I want to start incorporating my daughter into some volunteer efforts because she's got what I consider a very privileged life of not having to do much of anything. Well, she's only five, but you know what I mean? Uh, never too too early really to start. So uh, Ms. Vernita says, please go and volunteer pack at least three bags for some family with kids and make them happy and keep people sane. Damien, we're going to need a gas bank, apartment bank, and CUC bill bank combined with that food bank also. What a mess. Cameron, thank you. Jonathan says, I bet 10 to 1 we'll see more money being donated to the Humane Society than the food bank. Now, listen to me. Let me talk about the Humane Society this morning. I don't know why y'all like to be messing and then picking on the poor dogs. Because, you know, the Humane Society, y'all always like, oh, They care more about dogs than they do humans. Um, Where is Soka Phillips this morning? Because this is a comment that she would certainly appreciate as a dog lover. Um, I love dogs. You guys know this. I'm not much of a cat person, but I love animals in general. And so the Humane Society folks does an amazing job. And most of the problems as it relates to animals is created by you all. Because you have dogs and cats that you refuse to fix because somehow you think, um, you know, spading and neutering a pet is something horrible, which it isn't. And you have allowed the pet population to just run amok and uh, get completely out of control. And I think that this is unfortunate. I've never had an animal myself as an adult pet owner that I did not spade or neuter because that is the responsible thing to do. That's what you do. Y'all be like, oh, I want them to have one litter. Why? They don't need a litter. And you don't need to be, you know, trying to be in the the doggy mill business. So right now, Kevin Wattler, big shout out to Kevin, sent me this this morning, brought it to my attention, that the Cayman Islands Humane Society is actually full. There is no vacancy at the shelter. So they're actually looking for help as well. If you are in a position, so every single cage, kennel, and crate is occupied. They can't take any more dogs, puppies, cats, or kittens at this moment. And they're looking for people to foster a dog or cat so that it can create some space for them as they continue to try to rescue animals in need. They also have a really important reminder here, which I think is worth mentioning. That pets are for life, not until they become an inconvenience. They're part of your family, so please think before you adopt and think before you give them up. Oh my gosh, this just breaks my heart. Also, a reminder to spay and neuter your animals because we cannot keep up with the number of unwanted litters. Unbelievable, huh? Humane society is full, folks. If you are in a position, to foster you just take them for a week or two or whatever and you know what ends up happening is a lot of times you foster an animal a dog or a cat and you absolutely fall in love with them and then they become part of your family you know we we love a good dog around here my daughter's always oh can i get a dog for christmas Because, you know, we had, she grew up for the first couple of years of her life with a dog. And some of her early memories were with Coco being part of her family until um, the unfortunate incident where she was, you know, killed by the neighbor's dog, which was horrific. And it takes a minute to get over something quite so tragic, I must tell you, that I know eventually I will get another dog, but I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. Um, you know, the heart is willing, but the heart is also incredibly broken. But animals come with responsibility. It's a financial responsibility. You've got to be able to feed, uh, cl- not clothe, but <laughs> feed and house your, your animals. Although I used to put clothes on Coco. She hated it. She's like, why are you dressing me up? Um, Vet bills, unexpected things, dogs will eat stuff sometimes that gets gets them in trouble. And so you do have to have a little pet fund. So I really hope that um, you support the Cayman Islands Humane Society. They do a wonderful job. So Jonathan, don't be knocking the the Humane Society about people are going to donate. The Humane Society needs donations just like anybody else. And they are trying to help with an uncontrollable uh, situation when it comes to the number of dogs and cats that are either wild or abandoned or, you know, it's just absolutely unbelievable. So Salvin says, Sandy, what you need to promote is volunteerism, merge it with nationalism as both are needed. Uh, Miss Loretta says, I put my child in in a program like Pathfinders Club and it shows her how to volunteer and so on. That's wonderful. But you can do it. You can just do it yourself too. Go with your kids. Cameron says, What what do you mean by you all? You know who I'm talking about. If you're guilty as charged, then it is what it is. Yes, good, Loretta. She says, Sometimes she goes with her to volunteer as well. Miss Donna, good morning to Miss Donna Bryan this morning. She says, uh, Miss Sandy. I don't think we have any starving children in Cayman. What? Maybe some don't have three meals a day, but not starving. At least the children get breakfast, lunch at school. Well, now they do. Uh, She's saying they go to the Burger King and gas station. Well, now they do. Thanks to the PAC government, they can at least get uh, some food at school. But there are malnourished children in the Cayman Islands who don't get enough food. Now, I'm not talking about the ones where y'all are force feeding them like little pigs. I'm not referring to those children because some of y'all be like, oh, free food isn't enough. They're not feeding my kids enough food. They lost five pounds. I'm like, honey, they need to lose 25 pounds. What are you talking about? But no, there are children in this country who don't have enough food. And it's sad that, that we don't, not everybody in the community knows that. That's a stark reality. On weekends, well, now they're getting it if they're in public schools. You know, they're getting something. But even younger kids who haven't yet started school, you'd be surprised. All right. Jonathan says, I'm not knocking the Humane Society. I'm knocking people because people love dogs and cats more than people. Well, can you blame them, Jonathan? Let us just be honest for a minute. You know, again, this is a cold hard truth. Um, it's, It's so much easier to love a dog than some people. Because some of y'all are really impossible to love. <laughs> Sometimes you want to run away from people, um, but dogs and cat are—they're oh, so wonderful. They show you unconditional love. What human being is going to show you unconditional love, child, please? Some of you are birthing a human, and you can't even show them unconditional love. So I can understand when you look into a little dog's eyes. Oh, look at these little videos on a on the page here for. Um. The Hemean Society. This is so lovely. Can't help but fall in love with these little faces. Look at that little Bucci. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful brown eyes. Dogs are just so amazing. I mean, they will just love you no matter what. And some of y'all don't really deserve a whole lot of love. But get yourself a dog. Take care of the dog. Treat the dog good. And you'd be surprised how much they are going to love you. Right? See, they like to get out from the shelter, go for a walk. They like to be able to run around. Oh, my God. Some of the dogs can do the funniest things. Um, I mean, little Coco, she was actually a really fast runner for a small dog. She would love, Oh, you know, some small dogs, y'all make him so posh and whatever. They don't even want to go outside. She was not that dog. She loved to walk in the rain, loved to get muddy. Ugh, child, sometimes she'd get into stuff. And I'd be like, Ugh, straight to the bath. I don't even know what you got into, but you stink. Because she was just like, although she was a small dog, she wasn't dainty. She was rough and tough and just loved, loved life. Look at this little cutie. Oh, he's so cute. So call the Humane Society, folks. Um, see how you can uh, assist. Oh, look at this little cat. Super cute. Oh, sorry, I'm not showing you. I'm looking at it, not even showing it to you. Here we go. Bigga is an adorable 10-week-old kitten who's ready to be adopted. Found at only two weeks old, she's been doing great in her foster home. But it's time for her to go on to bigger and better things. So if you have room in your heart and in your home for Bigga, contact the Humane Society. See, look at this. Some of them are celebrating. Um, Here are some volunteers here. Um, Oh, look at that one. He's so comfortable sitting in that little girl's lap. This is um, kids, uh, sorry, dogs that flew from Miami, from Cayman to Miami just over a week ago. This was in early June last week. Were adopted by the highest paid NFL player. What's his name? Tyreek Hill. Ooh, do you think he's related? (laughs) and his family who recently signed uh, for the Miami Dolphins. This is why we need flight escorts. Let us know when, uh, let us know as and when you are traveling to Miami or Tampa and Cayman Airways, and if you're able to help. So this is good. So you can help take a pet out of this environment to another home. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's beautiful. So congratulations to Tyreek Hill. Him and his family, apparently, have adopted two dogs. Maddie and Albie looks like. Oh, that is so cute. The little kid in the middle doesn't look too happy, though. This little kid right here, he's like, uh, "I'd rather be doing something else." <laughs> but look at that! Caymanian dogs all the way in Miami now to live a fabulous life with the highest paid, play, highest paid. NFL player, so they should have a good life, right? That looks like fake grass that they're on, though. What is that? Yeah, that kind of looks like fake grass. Um, And look at these two playing. Oh, dogs are so playful. They really bring a lot of joy into home. So please, folks, the Humane, Humane Society is full. They need a foster parents. Foster a little dog or a big dog or a medium-sized dog. Look at this one, rolling in the grass and having such a great time. Fiona, three-year-old boxer mix, aw. Super friendly, good with other dogs, and ready for adoption. Um, I know one of the things that Misha wanted to do, and Misha's been busy because she's a new mom that's still trying to figure out the new mom schedule and all that kind of stuff. The nanny thing hasn't quite worked out for her. But um, she wanted to do a special program at, that features the Humane Society and dogs that are up for adoption so that you guys can see them. Look at this little cutie patootie. Look at that one. So that you can see them in all their glory and you can understand the joy that they bring to your life and hopefully be motivated to adopt a dog or a cat. I don't want to leave the little cats out now because they need a little home too. All right. Um... Carmen is willing to volunteer. She says, I would like to donate one hour per week to the food bank. Thank you, Carmen. I appreciate that. Will you contact Miss Marie? Everyone should have Miss Marie's number this morning, 916-8006. So there we go. We've got Cameron. Who else was going to volunteer? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna contact her. Damien says summer holidays. What about him? Some dogs have more manners and respect than most people. Exactly. Hello. Um, Damien, I'm not sure if you're asking if we're taking a summer holiday or not, but um, somebody else did ask me this morning, ooh, you know, some talk shows take a hiatus during the summer and take a break. What are CMR's plans? We don't take no breaks really around here. We're going to be here. Um, I actually took a break in April and I think a lot of you didn't even know it. I was off-island, but the show must go on. So every single morning I got up and had my show the same way. Thanks to modern technology, it's possible. Um, Jonathan says, well, I got a cold, hard heart when I see a stray animal. I say, get. Oh, Jonathan, that breaks my heart for you. What are you saying? You are such a meanie. No, you gotta find love in your heart. Maybe you just haven't found the right dog yet. Uh, we we can help you, Jonathan. There, there is. I I do not believe that your heart is that cold, stone cold heart. I don't believe it. Um, I think you can find some love for an animal. Mm mm mm. Jonathan. My goodness. Um. Damien says the Humane Society could get that message out more with Facebook ads targeting only. We're going to post it up on our page to help them out as well. Uh, oh, Damien says that when school is out for the summer holidays and Easter and Christmas, um, children don't get free meals. Yes, thanks for that reminder, Damien. So um, those are times that are, are very, very challenging for children because, again, the free, and the free meal program just started. Um, Miss Lucille says, Sandy, I did not know that I could get so, um, with my cat, uh, I lost hit once. It was a good thing. I had chipped. Um, I end up in the, it ended up in the hospital because of her. I agree with you every, very much. They found her for me. Thank God I cried when they brought her home. I live alone and she's my company. I love her so much. Yeah, I mean, um, especially for people who do live alone, um, pets can be a life changer. Pets are wonderful if you suffer from depression. Did you know that? Um, Pets are like natural medicine. They can help to elevate you out of a depressive state. Speaking of pets and speaking of dogs, dogs are amazing for so many different things. I always thought in another life, My little Coco must have been um, a dog sniffing, like a drug dog, because she had the best nose that I've ever seen. And listen, I've had Labrador mixes, which have very good senses for certain things. I've had terriers. I've had German Shepherd mixes. You know, I've had all kinds of dogs, lots of mutts. And I think mutts are, are beautiful dogs. And so one thing that I made as an observation with Coco is she was really very, very good at sniffing things out. Anytime she would go in a new environment, it was almost like she just had a natural affinity for it. But she would literally go like corner to corner. If I took her to somebody's house, whatever, she'd start sniffing everything. You know, dogs have amazing sense of smell. But I noticed in her particular case, it was extra special. And I don't know what it was about Coco, but she'd be sniffing at everything. And people would be like, What does your dog do? And I said, Well, anytime she comes into a new environment, she just goes around checking things out. Like she was very, very exploratory and she was checking things out. Um, And she loved stuffed animals. I'm having a cocoa moment this morning. Just bear with me. She loved stuffed animals like I've never seen before. Like she would actually hoard them. <laughs> like she would just, oh, uh, when when we take her to the groomer, you know, get groomed, whatever. She would actually go and grab her own stuffed animal from the pet store. And sometimes I was like, oh, mommy you got no money for that. And she would pull it out of like the little cages, you know, they have them where, I don't know if they do this on purpose <laughs> where they position the toys and she would just grab it and be like, okay, let's go. And I said, yeah, we got to kind of pay for that. We can't take that out at the store. Um, so she enjoyed her a good toy, a good stuffed animal in particular, because then she'd rip it apart and take out all the stuffing. But you know, dogs are amazing companions, but they also in the field of medicine, have been uh, really amazing to help as well. Now, here are the latest thing. You guys may have heard this from years ago, but dogs um, can help detect cancers mm-hmm. in particular skin cancers, but that's not the only thing that they can detect. So there have been stories of women who notice, for example, that their dogs are obsessed with their breasts, not because of anything untowards, but you know, I've heard of stories where a woman's like, my dog kept like sniffing at my breast. I'm thinking, why? And you go to the doctor and then you find out that you actually had breast cancer. Dogs have been trained to detect on skin uh, lesions, skin cancer, with an immense degree of accuracy. They're very, very good. And so the latest thing is I heard this morning, interestingly enough, take a wild guess. Let's make this a moment to do a little giveaway gift certificate up for grabs. If you can guess what dogs are now sniffing out in the world of medicine. Any guesses? Uh, You know what we do. We have gift certificates. Currently, our stash of gift certificates include um, Popeyes, Burger King, and Waffle Monkeys. You can pick whichever one you want. But tell me what you think, 936-2626. Let's do a little giveaway this morning. What do you think dogs are now sniffing out? Trivia question for the day. It's amazing. When I heard this, I thought to myself, are my ears hot? That was too easy. Akina says COVID. Yes, you guys are on top of the news. Both Akina and Tommy. Akina came in first for me. Says COVID. Absolutely. Akina, message me. Let me know which gift certificate you want. Send me a WhatsApp dogs are detecting COVID. Can you believe it? That's so amazing. So listen to this. Listen to this. This is really something else with such an amazing degree of accuracy. Here we go.
12: Virus tests might come with no swab and four legs. Seriously, a new study at France's National Veterinary School found that dogs effectively sniffed out the coronavirus with 97% accuracy. And it is being put into action in this country already. NBC News correspondent Ellison Barber joins us now from the South Beach Wine and Food Festival, which I think we heard about in Sam Brock's story earlier, where she met possibly the first dogs in the U.S. certified to detect COVID-19. So, Alison, tell us, how do, these train, how do they train these dogs to sniff out the virus?
2: Yeah, so it's really interesting. You mentioned some other studies. So we've seen this studied in different states, in different countries even, and there are different ways that they train and practice with the dogs. What they did with these at Florida International University is they actually partnered with a local hospital, got face masks that were worn by COVID positive patients, and then used that to train the dogs to recognize that scent. Listen here.
1: We have a partnership with Baptist Hospital, and we're able to get confirmed positive patient masks, so PPE. We worked with facial masks because it was the most
11: likely target. This is a disease that affects the lungs and the um, respiratory system. So we were able to get patient masks from them, as well as patients who were also sick, but not with COVID-19. So we had that discrimination.
2: They radiated those masks with ultraviolet light so that it would deactivate COVID-19 so that dogs like Cobra here, who is part of the (laughs) COVID-19 sniffing fleet, if you will, could safely train on those face masks.
12: So, Ellison, I have to ask, the festival you're at opened yesterday. How are the dogs doing so far? And perhaps most importantly, what happens when they find someone who the (laughs) dogs think might be carrying the virus? There's a part of me that kind of wants to see how that interaction plays out. (laughs)
2: I'm going to let you watch it on me and they should not do anything because I have been fully vaccinated. I also had COVID-19, but this is John Mills. He's one of the trainers. I'm going to show you. So theoretically, once this event gets underway this afternoon, the first event starts at 11 o'clock, you will have people lining up here waiting to go inside. So let's say I'm one of those people. This is one of many steps they have here. You also have to do a system check, but theoretically, we'll pretend I'm standing in line and John, walk us through. Show us kind of what, how Cobra would look. Right, you hear him saying souk, that's the cue. The cue is
1: if the odor is present at the mask, she would be sitting at this point. Oh. No odor, no sit. So she'll just move down the line of people and we will identify whether anyone has the odor on them. At that point in time, we would then identify that to the officer that is accompanying us, and that officer would uh, discuss what the next steps are for the procedure
2: so they only sit if they smell something one of the things they said if people are wearing face masks not everybody necessarily is that they'll ask them to take it off so they can smell it even closer yesterday as these lines were filling up for the kickoff event they were walking and actually sniffing at their feet one of the under trainers told me he said it's gross but feet sweat so they can pick up an odor that way as well so this is cobra one of four dogs who have been out here working two of the four are actually Mm -hmm. rescue dogs Wow, that is so
12: cool. It is amazing the things dogs can do and smell. So Ah. very cool to see him helping out there. Thank you, Allison. Appreciate it.
3: So um, this study was actually released uh, in a medical journal. I can give you guys the link if you'd like. BMJ Global Health, BMJ Journal. And this is like real study, triple blind, randomized uh, trial and operational real-life screening in an airport environment. So they wanted to estimate uh, scent dogs diagnostic um, accuracy in the identification of people with SARS cov 2 in comparison with reverse transcriptase polymerized chain, that's, that's the RT PCR test, right? And so they conducted this randomized triple blind uh, validation trial. And then they did a real life study at the Helsinki, um, Vanta International Airport in Finland, and they basically found that dogs did this um, with a 92% accuracy. So the validation experiments had an overall accuracy of 92%, a sensitivity of 92%, and a specificity of 91% compared with the PCR tests pretty, pretty wild if you ask me. Um, So very, very amazing. And the thing about this is this could save a lot of time. Because think about it, like she was saying, you know, you go to a concert and they're trying to uh, filter people who may or may not have um, COVID right? And the idea is that a dog can just walk down a line of people very, very quickly and pick up within seconds. If you have COVID, if you had to administer a PCR test in an environment like that, say you had a thousand people standing in line and every person had to be administered a PCR test, PCR test results can take, you know, up to 15 minutes. That slows down the process. So isn't this absolutely amazing, So, Zoe says, so COVID has an odor? Sounds to me like they just need a shower. (laughs) Everything emits an odor, my dear Zoe. Um, Even cancers. Yeah. So, you know, we don't smell these things because human beings do not have the level of sensitivity in our oral oral factor. Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, glands or whatever, but that's the beauty of dogs. They are amazing. They can smell a lot of things. And like I said, there have been numerous stories um, throughout history where you'll see a dog fixated on an individual, whether it's like a particular part of their body um, or something else. And then you find out that um, the reason why is there was a cancerous uh, growth or something already there. And in fact, um, dogs are also very, very good With people who suffer from seizures, they can predict a seizure before the onset of it. And so, for people who suffer from that, again, if they have the dogs that are trained properly, they can notify them that a seizure is coming on, and the person can get down in a safe position and position themselves so that they don't end up falling and hurting themselves even more or biting their tongues or different things. So they know, okay, a seizure is coming, they know how to prepare um, themselves accordingly. So, um, you know, that this is, this is the truth of what it is. Uh, yeah. So Lucy, Miss Lucille saying, remind them about the footballer that kick up his cat and he had to pay 250 pounds. And I think he's in court, um, and also took them both away. Yeah, I can't, I, I don't understand people who um, hurt animals or just innocent things like an animal. I mean, that's kind of like really sick. Um, So I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I'm not impressed by people who do those things. 948. Good morning, people in the Cayman Islands. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, some mornings on this program, we just don't get too hot and heavy with um, boggling you you guys down with stressful things. Uh, Sometimes we keep the conversation a little bit lighter. So um, I want to discuss something else here that is of interest. A big shout out to um, DJ Yo-Yo. Thank you, man. Los saluda DJ Yo-Yo,
7: the energy.
4: Y estas escuchando The Cold Heart 2 con la voz del pueblo, Sandra Hill. Todas las mañanas, 7.30 AM, only on Bobo, 89.1 FM.
3: Yes, only on Bobo, 89.1 FM. All right, folks. So, um. Jonathan says, I need one of those government canine dogs. I'm looking for something. <laughs> Jonathan, you really need to behave yourself. Um, so listen, I don't know how much you guys watch celebrities on TV. I suspect a lot of you do. And a lot, lots of people like these reality TV shows, you know, the world of reality TV is so incredibly interesting. It has taken a very interesting turn in the last couple of days I have never really watched this show. Um, I know who they are because, you know, I I just keep up with news, but I've never watched the Chris, Chris, Chrisleys. Is that what they're called? Chrisleys? Chrissies or something. Anyway, it's this couple in America. They're Americans and they have now been found guilty of, hear this hot mess, um, basically defrauding the government and banks and whatever. So, uh, Chrisley. So reality TV star, Todd Chrisley and his wife Julie. And they're they're like country folks. I think a lot of people like like them. They like the country twang and they can kind of relate to them and whatever. But they have this reality show called, what is it called again? I don't know. Something with the with the um Chrisleys, I think is how they pronounce it. But anyway, cute couple. Uh all of them have obviously had veneers done. Their teeth are just so incredibly perfect. I love a good Veneer <laughs> job. Um, you know, who doesn't like white pearly teeth? But they look fabulous and they have lived this fabulous lifestyle that they portrayed on TV. But now, if you believe their conviction and, and what they've been found guilty of, they have been found guilty of criminal bank fraud and tax evasion. Oh my God. Both of them were charged with a conspiracy to commit bank fraud, bank fraud, and conspiracy to defraud the United States uh, and tax fraud. Julie was also charged with wire fraud and obstruction of justice. So the case involved an allegation of some $30 million in fraudulent bank loans that the government says that the family took, this couple took out, to fund their lavish lifestyle and extravagant spending, even before becoming reality TV stars, Lord have mercy. Federal prosecutors said that the Chris Lee's wealth was a lie and that the couple manufactured documents and defrauded area banks out of $30 million in loans, eventually filing bankruptcy and walking away from more than $20 million that was owed. And their sentencing is now set for October the 6th. Oh my God. Mm -mm -mm. Folks, they're going to be facing jail time. This is really, really serious. Now, for all of the things that we, um, you know, criticize uh, America on, I can tell you that when it comes to this type of behavior, they kind of don't really joke around. I have seen others fall by the wayside, uh, other reality stars. Now, I'm always a bit perplexed on why on earth would you be uh, inclined to even get on national TV? Because all you're doing is you're putting your life under a microscope because everybody's going to be looking at you going, huh, how does Todd and Julie really, what do they do? How do they afford this lifestyle? Mm-mm-mm. Lying on bank documents is an offense. Wow. I mean, look at the ring in her finger in this picture. You know, they just always are so fabulously dressed. $30 million. That's a lot of money. They are facing up to 30 years in prison now that they've been convicted. Their lawyer says that they're devastated and disappointed with the verdict, and they're going to be pursuing an appeal. What a mess. They claim that they're grateful for the love and support shown by their family, friends, and fans. Mm, mm, mm. And um, that they're concentrating on the welfare of their children and Todd's mother, Miss Elizabeth Faye Chrisley. I guess she's an elderly lady. Um, just unbelievable. What a mess. Well, the allegations. It was a three-week trial. Prosecutors say that Todd, who's 53 years old, and Julie, who's 49 falsified documents to get $30 million in bank loans to pay for their lavish lifestyle. They then filed for bankruptcy so that they wouldn't have to pay more than $20 million that they owed in debt. Mm -hmm. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, prosecutors say that the Chrisleys intentionally swindled smaller banks to rack up the $30 million bill between 2007 and 2012, and that was two years before their reality show debuted in the USA in 2014. So they were they were living large before they were even on TV. They lied about the millions that they made from Chrisley Knows Best, huh. along with $500,000 in back taxes that he owed for 2009. They accused uh, they were accused of launching a shell company called Seven Seas Production to put in Julie's name to prevent the IRS from seizing half a million dollars owed from 2009. Oh my god. What? Unbelievable. Now, you would think, right? That you're doing this sort of thing. Um why would you go on national TV? I th- that's the part that has me confused. You're a swindler. You're swindling millions from banks. Why would you expose yourself It's almost like these people subconsciously want to be caught. Why would you expose yourself to this? Go on national TV survey and go hmm remember the housewives? I don't know if you guys watch the housewives Teresa Jedushi G- or Gidicichi whatever the heck her name is same thing Housewives of which one was she one uh uh Housewives of um Jersey no New Jersey yes. Same thing. Her and her husband, Joe, Judici, whatever the heck their names are, uh, defrauding banks, lying in bank documents. That's an offense. Wanting to live this lavish lifestyle. All these fabulous cars and houses and you're pretending like, you know, you just got millions flowing in. And then you can't pay it back. That's the thing. Like, who does this? You borrow money. You eventually start making millions with a reality show. You would think that you would try to make good on the $30 million. Instead, you try to take the easy way out by filing for bankruptcy. Well, you know that them people can be looking at you a little bit harder. (sighs) What a thing. Willfully filing false tax returns. That's also an offense. Their show now in its ninth season was scheduled to return June the 23rd after going on hiatus in December. Can you believe that the show was actually renewed for 10th season? Listen, all of this makes for good TV anyway. So those of you who uh, look at TV um, know that this, you know, people are going to tune in for your fall from grace. So apparently Todd also hosts and executive produces a speed dating matchmaking series called Love Limbo. Anyway, I think they have um, adult children. I'm not sure if they have any minor children, but they definitely have adult children. And they also have um, some grandchildren that they're uh, helping out with and stuff like that as well. But it's just like, listen, reality TV can be your demise. It's like the, what's the other show with the 8 million children and counting? Uh, One of them turns out to be a child pedophile, molesting his sisters and, and looking at child porn. He's off to jail now as well. You know, I kind of feel like when you are a non-law-abiding person, you probably don't want to be a national TV. Anyway, folks, have yourselves a beautiful day. We'll be back here tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. Keep it locked for another segment tomorrow morning of The Cold Hard Truth.
4: <laughs> back.